Back Judge Podcast, two weeks away from the draft officially as of today. Very. Two weeks away from the draft and three days away from our drafting of the teams we're going to draft with and the highly anticipated four-way what we would do mock featuring Connor Ryan. Would, uh, is, is that going to be recorded? What's the deal? I don't, I don't think it should. No. I don't think it'll be good. I think it'll be a bad radio. Fair enough. What I'm interested well, in is... We got, uh, I want to know if, if, if... What do you guys think the chances are that, that Tommy Tremble is picked by Connor Ryan in the, in the four-way mock? Probably pretty high. I think, I, think the, I think they're pretty high. I think, I think once we verge into the second round, he's going to be running out of gas, and he's going to yep. uh, probably yeah. throw Tremble's name in there just to, <laughs> get, just to get the ND fight song going. Yeah, exactly. The one thing that was interesting, I asked him about Eichenberg, and he did not like it because of all the false starts. <laughs> so, something to monitor. That's like the most Connor reason for not liking a player. <laughs> he just like dominates, but it, but he had a few too many false starts for Connor's liking. There's no discipline. <laughs> um, definitely an exciting two week stretch here. We're uh, like uh, like we referenced. We're gonna have the what would we do mock draft. That is though a week before the draft. Next week, we're gonna put our heads together and try and do a full first round predictive mock what we think the teams will do not necessarily what our opinions are and then we're also going to get into i'm going to try and do what i did last year with the the lions mock get some voices other than uh, lee and tommy's go around with talks to my buddies about what the lions draft plans should be we've got our licks and yaps coming up next week that's always an exciting one i teased one already to lee yep. should i should i should i go tease ahead, it on the pod? The pod, go ahead and just, tease it um my my first my first lick of the 2021 NFL draft season is if Mac Jones goes three to the Niners and then Justin Fields and Trey Lance both go before the Lions are on the clock at seven, I will be licking. So that means five QBs. That's a, that's a that's a beautiful lick. Uh, I was saying that lick is especially special because it's adding insult to injury. Because you, you get that rush of joy when Mac Jones gets taken at three thinking, hey, man, Lancer Fields is going to fall to seven because, you know, I, I don't think the Bengals or, or Dolphins are going to take a quarterback. And then all of a sudden, right in front of your eyes, some shuffling happens and bang, bang, none, none of the quarterbacks you and thought were going to be were gonna be there are available. And then you got to take a lick, too. You gotta, you, and, and it's just <laughs> a depressing exactly, way to start. And then while I think we all have a little bit more hope, uh, you know, hope in Brad Holmes, you know, Klepp is he's fresh off the lick, and the Lions are picking. I mean, he he's yeah. the roller coaster of emotions. I mean, he could be yeah. going even more downhill potentially, if uh, you know. I mean, well, the, I think you know if the Lions if take Jason was, Owe at the, with the seventh pick post Klepp's post Klepp's <laughs> lick. <laughs> That's a long night in Syracuse for you. Uh. Um, so definitely a, a lot of exciting episodes coming up for you guys over the next 14 days. Uh, definitely super pumped about this year's draft. I think it's going to be very, uh, very interesting. I think, you know, we, we teased this last year and then last year's draft was, it was a fun draft. All drafts are fun, but it wasn't necessarily as crazy maybe as we expected it to be. But this year with all the opt-outs, with all the movement at the quarterback, uh, moving teams moving around for quarterbacks, is just going to be. Uh, a really fun draft to watch, uh, I think. So 
Today we're going to get into a couple teams that we haven't really talked about a ton. Uh, Lee's going to talk to us about some some edge prospects, and I have a, a little note about the Lions, of course, that I'd like to share. And then Tommy will, will take the reins, and, and we'll uh, talk about wins. Win totals, baby. The degenerate so, hour. It, I will say I had way more the, fun uh, than I thought I would going over the AFC win totals. So it goes to show that even when you think Tommy might be wrong, he's usually right. Well, Lee. <laughs> not about the Bengals, though. Not about the Bengals. <laughs> no, not about <laughs> um, So So we're just going to talk about the, the five teams we're just going to have a little quick roundtable discussion on uh, would be the Philadelphia Eagles, the L.A. Chargers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Tennessee Titans just because, I don't know, th- these are just some teams that I don't think maybe we've, we've touched on quite a, quite a lot yet with maybe what they should be doing, who they should be looking at when they are on the clock in the first round, but then as well as the rest of the draft. And we'll start at 12. The most basically we've talked about the Eagles was when they traded back with the Dolphins, which I thought was a great move for, for Philadelphia as long as Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt this year and plays 70% of the snaps in Indianapolis. The Eagles will have three first-round picks in the 2022 NFL draft. They'll have their pick, the Dolphins pick, and the Colts pick in the first round. So I thought that was just a great move for them. Go from 6 to 12, accure some draft capital for the future. Obviously, you take yourself out of the quarterback race, but you do have Jalen Hurts. And then maybe you take yourself out of the opportunity to draft one of Smith, Waddle, or Chase. But one of those guys might fall to you uh, at 12, depending on how the board shakes out. But Lee, you were talking to me about the Eagles maybe a couple weeks ago. And I hadn't really realized it until I popped on our lads and took a look at their roster, and it is depleted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think the shape. quote I think the quote I had um, was that their roster is 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 for the most part, you know, there's a few outliers, but it's made up of bad draft picks and players that are past their prime. It seems to be kind of what their roster is made up of, and then they kind of just throw Jalen Hurts in the Knicks, who, in my opinion, overperformed last year as a rookie. Um, definitely there's no argument when you throw on the tape. He showed them enough to prove that, hey, maybe we should pump the brakes on getting aggressive and trying to draft a quarterback right now and just kind of see what, what we can do with Hurts. Um, but, yeah, Klepp, just to kind of piggyback off what you said, um, their, their roster is, is definitely depleted and in arguably one of the worst divisions in football. I still don't think that their chances of hanging around in that 500 conversation even are very high. Um, and I know I, I could be – Completely wrong if Hurts overperforms again and if maybe they get a, a stud playmaker with that 12th pick. But I still think it's going to take a little bit more for them to really make that push and become the playoff contender that those fans you know, want them to be. Um, so, yeah, I agree that the moving back from 6 to 12 is probably a good move for them. does put them in an interesting position, though, receiver-wise, which we can get into. Yeah, should we start with Philly? Because i got some thoughts, I think. That's right, where we're starting. Philly. Um, what was this whole intro for? <laughs> I thought we were just going to give it, you know, some great context into all of these teams, and then start back at the bo- at the top with Philly. Um, no, you know, I think we all kind of when they were at six, it was like a pure, you know, oh Pitts receiver, you know, and uh, you know linebacker like Micah Parsons potentially. But for me, man, I think corner, man, I think corner might be where Philly needs to go. Um, you have Darius Slay, obviously, who is you know on the back nine of his career. Uh, but you know, Avante Maddox, I think is a nice player, but you know, not really a lot of, a lot of depth. Detroit boy. King. Yep. Avante Maddox is from Detroit. Yep. He played at King. Oh, really? And he went to TCU? Went to Pitt. 
Oh, we went to Pitt. Jeez, I'm all yeah. over the place. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, you're good. But I'm thinking, you know, obviously the defense. I, I mean, I guess I was the biggest, the biggest Hurts guy, but I don't think that he's a franchise quarterback. I think that he's a he's a nice, you know, poor man's Dak Prescott. That's what I've been calling him since day one. And I don't know. I mean, forget about if there's receivers or weapons there at twelve. I don't think you you go and reach for a guy like Bateman. Not even that it would be a huge reach. But when I look at this defense. I just think the secondary, man, uh, I think a J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, you know, whoever is really there, I think pr- would probably be the best value pick um, when I'm trying to project how the draft would go. Uh, you know, they just... They they may be gone, though. You think both of them, you think both of them might be gone? I guess it depends if, if one of them goes before the Cowboys yeah. and then the Cowboys takes the other one. Especially, especially if Atlanta yeah. trades out. Well, then, okay. Then let me let me uh, rephrase myself here. I think it's a combination of of you know corner, weapon, and linebacker. Whether it's uh, JOK or Micah Parsons. Um, I mean, but you guys are right, man. They they literally have needs pretty much all over the place. Uh, Brandon Brooks coming back off the what is it Achilles tear? You know, yeah. one of the better guards in the NFL. So still, that that line isn't getting any younger, and. Yeah. Um, you know, you could even throw a lineman in the conversation there, possibly, if they want to bolster the yeah. other line a little bit because it hasn't necessarily been – I mean, just based off what I'm remembering now, that although their offensive line has definitely some talent, Tommy, you brought it up with Brooks, they have had a, a stark inability to stay healthy throughout the past couple of years. And, and one sec, sorry to interrupt you. Did Zach Ertz not get traded? How, how is no, he, he still – Oh, really? Okay. Sorry, I just yeah. thought – I thought he was in Buffalo for some reason. I don't know. So, no, yeah. I think – we're kind of further proving, I guess, why. I think Philadelphia probably had a pretty harsh realization when they were assessing their roster to say, hey, man, we could probably use another first-round pick next year when Miami made that offer. Let's move back a few spots. We don't need to get the flashy number one pass catcher, um, or we don't need to make a play on a quarterback. Let's just accrue another pick, get a DB, a linebacker, a lineman. Maybe, hey, maybe Waddle or Smith falls to us at 12. The more, the merrier. Um, and next year we're going to come back after it with three picks, assuming even possibly that, you know, you never want to assume this as a team, but if things don't go well for Hertz, you could be talking about three picks and your pick being a top 10, top 12 pick again. So um, I, I think it was a, I think, I guess I'm just further acknowledging that I think it was a good move for Philadelphia. And I will say off the top of my head though, um, take a receiver if they're there. If Smith or Waddle, or maybe Chase, who knows, or Pitts, I'll say for the sake of just talking about it. If one of those pass catchers is there at 12, I think you take them. I think Jalen Rager grossly underperformed. I can't even really name. I think Greg Ward is your second receiver. I know you got some late round. And you got Fulgham. Fulgham doesn't do much for me. I, I, I don't. I, I know. And then you have the man, Ar- Arcega yeah, Whiteside. He, he should be cut, Arcega Whiteside. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think you can bring in a dude who, in my opinion, you're drafting and will be the best playmaker on your team arguably with miles sanders i guess from day one um so i I think that would never be a bad move for them and then maybe hey refocus and with the free agency and the picks you have next year focus a little bit more on defense and then i mean lee if you go into our lads sixth man on the tight end depth chart your camp tyree oh yeah hey man i'm looking we're playing the long game with tyree he could be the next uh logan what's his name logan thomas yeah just peaking he's 29 as a tight end and Hakeem, Hakeem Butler in. in that tight end room as well. Good, good, good thing. Uh, good thing Bob Quinn let him walk out the door. 
Yeah. That was that was a great decision. I will say one more thing too. If you want to throw Hurts to the Wolves, essentially, um, at least get him a playmaker too. If you want to see, I feel like it's going to be hard to evaluate how yeah. good Hurts actually is if he's throwing to Jalen Rager every play, or you know, a thirty whatever year old Zach Ertz, or you know, Fulgham. So Dallas Goddard, yeah. who has never Goddard's good, guys. Come on, get um, up. Goddard's better than Ertz, man. Goddard's a good tight end. He's a top 10 I think better than Ertz isn't very hard anymore. I mean, this conversation is vastly different from what it was a couple years ago when we were all, we had to pull our jaws up off the floor when Gondo traded Ertz in a first-round pick for Waller in the uh, the Dynasty League. (laughs) Gondo, deep cuts. Um, Might might be having to do something like that with Kelsey one of these days. Um, Chargers. What's that clef? What's your opinion on this, man? I I, I I don't know. They can go anywhere. I, I, I like what Leah's saying. We're just like I, I like taking a a receiver a little bit, you know, not yet at six, but getting another pick and I think still being able to get a Waddle or a Smith if they're still there. Um even hey man, what about Barrett Tucker just bringing him in, you know, trying to bolster that offensive line a little bit. You can play him inside at guard and then maybe when if Lane Johnson, you know, it needs to move on at some point, or if Andre Diller doesn't really work out, you can try even throwing him over at, at, at tackle. So I think I think that's an I think just you know I'll, I you, you know me I always love I, I could say I could send an offensive lineman to every every team in this completely. Draft. I, I want to go on a little side question here because I I agree with you guys, but I just maybe I'm I mean how likely is it that we think that all the you know that one of these pass catchers is on the board at twelve? Are we just, you know, because we've seen, you know, the past couple of years, at least me, you know, I would, you know, I never thought CeeDee Lamb would be there at, at for the Cowboys at 17. And I think now, you know, the, the more mocks we see. Uh, I think there's like a 65% chance that one of them is there. Yeah, because I don't think that the Broncos. I'd be a little lower, I don't think that the but... Broncos slash Falcons at nine, hypothetically, or the Cowboys at 10 are going to take a receiver. And then it's like I'm I'm no. I guess Carolina could, but I'm more on the side of them taking a lineman. So for me, it's like I think it'll go I think it'll go like probably Chase at five or or six or seven. And then you're gonna have maybe Devonta. I think Devonta's gonna go to the Giants at eleven, and then you're gonna have Waddle go at twelve. That's that's kind of where my head is at, just from I, being, you know. I would be very Boston. surprised if if 86 Dave Gettleman takes a receiver, although he really should, like if Devonta's on the board, maybe Devonta is. Well, there's is, reports. Word is word is that he likes that him, the Giants which is love like, Devonta. Like and Joe and, Judge and, and, and Nick usually, Saban are pretty close yeah, too. No, so I think that there's a, a little point. bit of a connection there. Yeah, and it's they're not talking about Waddle; they're talking about Smith. So um, that's the interesting thing too that we've talked about before. Just a quick side note: the Giants fan and me coming out here. Wouldn't it be great to see? Uh, like let's say Jamar goes to the to the Lions and, and let's say the the Panthers take Waddle like they want to take a playmaker and now all of a sudden Devonta Smith's on the board and the Giants take him right right before the Eagles do so the Eagles can't get a receiver I would love to see that little when divisional it, and just side there. side uh, Giants tangent it's kind of like with the same situation with the Eagles except the Giants are in a better position you know Daniel Jones Cliff here. Bring back an old segment. You know, this is another cliff. The thing about Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones is that he's already fallen off the cliff. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm saying for his. I think the organization can, there. There's only so much longer they can justify their faith in him as like their franchise quarterback. You yeah. know, yeah. Especially with you know Saquon hopefully coming back healthy this year and getting a Kenny Galladay. Um, mm-hmm. 
You got, but you guys are on the kind of same board with me. If there's no receivers there, you think or Klepp, you're going O line. Lee, are you? Yeah, you, I think you take Parsons, man. I think Parsons is the best Parsons. defensive player in the draft. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's go to the Chargers. They're sitting there at 13. Obviously, last year able to secure Justin Herbert with the sixth overall pick, who vastly outperformed not only our expectations but basically any rookie quarterback in history. Uh, he had a really uh, a pretty incredible year for the Chargers, especially considering the offensive line and you know different injuries to to running backs. And I mean, they, he was handed off to that guy uh, Pope for, Tremaine, for a while Tremaine there. Pope. So yeah. Um, so the, the Chargers are in an interesting spot too. They did, Tommy, like you, you alluded to, they, they added a lot of offensive linemen, uh, in free agency. Um, the draft history for the Chargers at O-line has been pretty poor. Um, you know, they got our guy Forrest Lamp, who we loved. Now he's in Buffalo, better situation. We like it for Forrest. Um, but then other guys, Yep. <laughs> then, but some other guys that they've taken that haven't really uh, that panned out. I mean, Trey Pipkins hasn't been um, you know what they hoped he would be a third round pick. Dan Feeney um, hasn't been great either, and they haven't really drafted a ton of linemen either. So I just think getting a guy at fourteen is, is somewhat the or sorry at thirteen would kind of be the icing on the cake, um, especially if maybe if, if Darisaw is there. Darisaw is a little concerning to me just because. I think I read something about how with Virginia Tech's offense, there's just a lack of pure uh, pass pass sets. So he's not really dropping back much uh, with passing. But he does have kind of the prototypical size for a tackle that isn't really even there with, with Sewell or Slater. Um, so I think just for, for the Chargers, I think that would be a great pick. Again, Vera Tucker, um, just to kind of shore up that offensive line and, and make it so. I mean, Herbert was running for his life last year and was able to put up those stats. Imagine what he can do with with a good line uh, around him. Yeah, I mean, Clef, we we briefly talked about this in one of the free agency uh, episodes. I'll just reiterate it. I love what the Chargers did to the offensive line. Uh, Bulaga was a great move last year. And then you bring in Matt Feeler, Corey Lindsley, and Ode Abouchier, who supposedly was one of the more underrated linemen in, in the NFL yeah. this year, um, playing in Detroit. And then, yeah, Trey Pipkins, that's kind of like the only sore uh, on, their, on their roster, on their offensive roster, is really at left tackle. But uh, so yeah, I completely agree. I think Darisaw would be probably the most likely scenario, or probably the best case. You know, if you think that Slater and, and Sewell are gone, I think getting a prototypical guy like Darisaw who can grow into, uh, you know, grow into his role in the NFL, but has all the physical tools like you mentioned, Club. Um, I'll just throw out a a sneaky need for the Chargers is corner man. Um, you know, they for a long time had, I guess, is Casey Hayward? Uh, is he gone now? Gone. gone. Yeah, Casey Hayward's gone, and, and Chris Harris, you know, is pretty much a nickel who's on the back nine of his career, and you've got Michael Davis and Tavon Campbell. So, definitely a sneaky need at corner. Michael Davis is underrated. Yeah, he, he probably is. I've heard good things. He's about underrated, him. but is he a, is he a number one corner? Yeah, no. that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you kind of stole my thunder, Tommy. I was going to say pump the brakes on the O-line talk because of how much maintenance they did in free agency. It's like... Heck, if a guy like J.C. Horn is there at 13, who's to say he might not be the best pick? And then, I, yeah, well, especially I, I would I would tend to agree with that, Lee. Like, if, if a corner is there, especially with the depth of the tackle mm-hmm. class, um, and and the work that you did do uh, in free agency, but the the only counter is kind of what I was alluding to before is that the Chargers have tried to shore up their offensive line in the middle yep. rounds, 
and just for some reason, I, I like Tom Telesco a lot, but just for some reason he hasn't been able to, to do it. Yeah. I mean, you also got a dude named B.J. Bello starting that linebacker. I don't know who <laughs> this gonna, dude is. I was going hey. to make a, a, a great Italian joke. I mean, he just sounds like he went to like St. Anthony's in Jersey and like, he's like, you know, should be Brian Cushing, you know? Yeah. He's like a couple B- roids B. away from, from being Brian Cushing. Well, I mean, you got Kenneth Murray last year, and then Kaiser White is a guy who I don't – I'm not an expert on him. I'm pretty sure he was drafted within the past couple of years from West Virginia, but I don't know if he's necessarily super reliable. Drew um, Tranquil. And, 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 yeah, Drew Tranquil is a guy who's more can't of a – stay healthy. He's, he's more of a rotational guy. Yeah, he can't stay healthy, and he was a late-round Well, I think Tranquil – I think Tranquil has been great when he's healthy, but, I mean, he just gets hurt all the time. Um, yeah, well, and, that, and that's been – since the Notre Dame days, he's been getting hurt. Like this yeah. isn't a new thing. What about Kyler Fackrell? Um, solid player. Fack, but Fackrell plays like end for them with my yeah. boy Uchenna Nuosu. Yeah, Fackrell's <laughs> out there with Uchenna Nuosu playing playing edge outside backer. I'm I'm thinking more like, hey, I mean, J.C. Horn, Micah Parsons, possibly. You got team team Micah Parsons up with Kenneth Murray. Man, that, that's an yeah. intimidating linebacker duo to pair with a guy like Derwin James at safety, and then obviously the front. Four that they've got with Bosa and uh, Tillery and, and Nuoso. I know Ingram's gone, but when's the, when's the last time Derwin James played a snap in the NFL? Man, I, I miss him. I miss him so badly. I feel yeah. like he's just you know kind of getting forgotten about. Little another thing, you got BJ Bell at linebacker, and then you got Joe Gazzano at the end. Joe Gaizano. Gaizan sounds like the oh, home. I know that guy, Northwestern. He was really – dude, I'm pretty sure he has yeah. a sack record at Northwestern. He got he in the UMass game. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he he's all right. I, uh, yeah, I, I – uh, He's all right. Are you sure you're not conf- – I watched that game. No big deal. Yeah, no big yeah, deal? I, I watched that game too because I took UMass like plus 31 and, my, and a half. And my former, former employer. <laughs> yeah, it's a sore subject. Lee, uh, are you sure you're not mixing him up from one of your uh, your NCAA 14 create a prospect? Sounds like a no, sounds like no. a beefy, beefy yeah. versatile D lineman you'd make. I wish, I wish I created that prospect for BC for your BC dynasty. Just an, an yeah. East Coast guy, Fab Monahan taking over. <laughs> um, should we get on to the Vikings yeah, here? Let's do it. Um, Vikings are in another another team, kind of just in a weird weird spot. Um, the defense of all things on a Mike Zimmer team was horrible last year. Um, Alvin Kamara, of course. What was that? was it? Six touchdowns on that Christmas Eve or Christmas Day game. It was yep. pretty much. Uh, it was a horrible performance right. from the from the Vikings defense. Obviously, though, they you know didn't have Daniel Hunter. Had a lot of departures. I didn't realize they had, they brought back Mackenzie Alexander, which is uh, interesting. Brought him back on a on a one year deal. Um, but now too, especially with the news about Jeff Gladney, um, mm. that's a pretty big hit because he was a guy. Who I'm sure they were anticipating being a starter this year after drafting him in the first round uh, last season. You could also say, you know, they might be a team that should trade up to get a different quarterback or, or get someone in the building to develop behind Kirk Cousins, who is just kind of perennially mediocre. But then at the same time, too, you're looking at a team that doesn't even have a second round pick because they traded it for Yannick Ngakwe. They got a third back when they sent him to Baltimore, I think, right? And so just uh, an interesting situation for the Vikings. You know, to what degree is Mike Zimmer even too on the on the hot seat? So uh, another team, we're talking about these Eagles, Chargers, and, and Vikings all in a row here at 12, 13, 14. 
all these teams live to to take a corner uh, as well. So, um, Lee, what direction would you be taking uh, Minnesota if you're Rick Spielman? Uh, I would shore up the offensive line because I'm not comfortable with Rashad Hill being the starting left tackle. And I think that's kind of like, for me, I'll go out on a limb and say like the, the conversation starts and ends with offensive line for me. I'm not looking anywhere else. I understand the Gladney news is obviously terrible. Um, I don't think for a second you even consider moving up for a quarterback. Kirk Cousins is your guy. You've kind of established that already. I think that the team can win with Cousins. They've made like short playoff runs with Cousins. I, I don't know if he's a Super Bowl guy, but then again, how many NFL quarterbacks are like proven Super Bowl guys? You know, I, so I think you still got to give Cousins a little bit of time. Um, you 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 need to work on the offensive line. You got to figure out what the situation is with Danielle Hunter too. I don't know if he wants to wants to leave or is okay with staying now. But there were definitely reports of him not being happy in Minnesota. You went out, you signed Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson, who was arguably the best inside um, defensive lineman in the in the free agency. Um, and I think that this defense was really young last year. And even without a guy like Gladney coming back, they still got some good young corners who are still getting coached up and I think are gonna are bound to improve this coming year. And I think that the biggest spot that you need to help is is the left tackle. And through doing that, you're going to help Kirk Cousins and those two dynamic receivers um, and obviously Dalvin Cook as well. And you're hoping that Irv Smith is going to take that step um, with Kyle Rudolph not being in the building anymore to kind of be your go-to every down tight end that you can rely on. Um, so I think that you you really got to go O-line here with, with 14. Yeah, Lee, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, is Ezra Cleveland going to get a shot to play left tackle? I mean, he got drafted in the second round, was kind of similar to Brian O'Neill coming out as like an athletic mm-hmm. projectable tackle. Um, I don't know, know, man. I mean, I wasn't huge on him coming out last year, but they took yeah. him high. You know, he was Perhaps. a guy who, you know, who ran in the four eights and you know was a tackle. I mean, they moved. I him would to still guard say year. though, if you if you have a plan, obviously the Vikings know whether or not that's a possibility. If that's your plan, then take a guy like Vera Tucker, like Klepp was saying, where it's like, if if Cleveland works out on the left side, great. Put Vera Tucker in at right guard to replace Cleveland, and if it doesn't work out, perhaps try Vera Tucker on at right tackle or left tackle because he's proven that he can do that in his days at USC. Yeah, I think that's interesting um, because I think if let's pretend they're confident about Ezra Cleveland being their left tackle because I have nothing else to offer. Like if if they think Ezra Cleveland's a good guard and they then definitely they should be in the Darisaw Vera Tucker. You know. Even I would be even for taking Trevin Jenkins and putting Brian O'Neill over to left because I think Brian O'Neill has been a really good right tackle, and I would be confident in you know trying to move him over there. Um, I think you got to go defense, man. Like this defense was really really bad last year. They've been bad for a couple of years, and the Jeff Gladney news is just is just heartbreaking. Um, you know, I we all were huge fans of him last year, and then bringing in Patrick Peterson, like I just don't know how much gas he has left in the tank. You've got, you know, arguably the two best line, linebacker core in the in the NFL with friend of the show Eric Kendricks and and Anthony Barr, the two UCLA boys, and they shored up, you know, D tackle was a need, interior defensive line was a need, and they shored that up with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, and they brought in Mike. Was Michael Pierce brought in this year? or Was that last year? Last year. Yeah, it was last year. That, but he didn't play last he year. He didn't play last year. I don't no, think he so. Didn't. You're right, Clef. He opted out. Yeah, and I, you know. I just don't know. You didn't have your best player all year last year on defense, and the corners clearly improved as the season went on. And, like, I know I love Jeff Gladney as a player like we all did, but, like, quite honestly, he was not even their best young corner when it, when you, like, throw on the tape from last year. Dancer was better than him, and so was uh, – uh, who am I forgetting? Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes is still another guy who, like, 
is pretty good. Drafted him um, in the first round. Yeah, and you you signed Pat Pete. Man, I think really like you got to figure out because then it's like Tommy, if you throw Ezra Cleveland at left tackle, like are you going to start Drew Samia at right guard? Is that someone you want to like confidently put? Well, again, he hasn't yeah. necessarily like they been have, very good. They have if I'm if you know if my mocks serve me right, I know they have a bunch of like mid round picks. Again, I know they had like Clep mentioned the third. Yeah. I think they have another fourth. They have like a bunch of thirds. They have two thirds and then like. Three yeah, fourths. and then I'm sure a bunch of fifths too. I think I did a seven rounder. It's it's the same as last year, man. Like they had like ten picks last year. Yeah, it's getting, so my, getting our boy Kenny Willickis and Troy Die. They got Troy Die and Troy Die is right. Let me let me throw a curveball. What about what about Jalen Phillips? I like it because you look at you know Daniel Hunter. Obviously, you hope he's back, but he did miss a year with a neck injury again. Like Lee said, there's some contract issues there as well. Mm. Bring in Jalen Phillips and yeah, and I don't know. Clap, I just, yeah, I Clap, that's, that's, that's really a good interesting. Point. That's a good point. Stephen Weatherly is your other DN right now, and I like Jalen Holmes too. But I don't. He obviously hasn't proven that he's going to be a consistent every down. Give Willikas a shot, man. Give Willikas a shot. I want. I want to see Willikas on a rotation this year. I love Lee, I just want to uh, they have Hercules. They got Hercules from Washington State. Yeah, Hercules Mataafa, James I, Lynch, the Baylor guy, Jalen Holmes. Willikus, like you said, they definitely got some depth guys. It's just who, which one of those guys is really going to step up and be like a reliable player for you and not just a rotational guy? That's the question. Well, and they just re-upped Kirk Cousins too, right? Back to the Kirk Cousins discussion and then potentially getting a quarterback. Like, didn't they just gave him another, like last year he was extended. So I think yeah. that... Yeah, they extended him last year. I think I think you're, they're kind of stuck with him for are. at least two more seasons. And Lee, you brought up Irv Smith. I just want to firmly plant, like, if you're doing fantasy this year, if you're doing, you know... One season fantasy. Irv Smith's gonna have a great year this year. Irv Smith is, Irv Smith is stud. I mean, he better. Yeah, he better have a good year. Yeah, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen now. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's jump down to let's jump down to twenty one. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts uh, are sitting there after not trading this year's first uh, for Carson Wentz, but next year. So they're still uh, in the first round of this draft. Lee, you know you like the Colts. Mm-hmm. You like the Wentz move. Do you think adding a receiver here at, at 21 is is good, or do you think maybe they add more to to a defense that was uh, already uh, pretty solid last year? Clap, you're gonna love me. I I am not happy with Sam Tevy being my left tackle. Period. I, I think the defense is great. You can still build the defense in the later rounds. I would love, absolutely love to see Paris Campbell just be healthy. I don't. I don't think Paris Campbell is some star that's going to like elevate their offense to a different level. But I think he can absolutely be a very, very solid three for them if T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman are doing their job. Um, and I think he can come in and kind of make you forget that you ever really needed a receiver. Honestly, um, with with the ability he can he has after the catch. For me, man, it's like Wentz was awful last year because of the amount of pressure he was under. I think, and obviously there's there's a, much, a bunch more that goes into it. But I think on the field. It was his lack of weapons, which I think he has much better weapons in Indianapolis, and then the, the amount of pressure he was under. The Colts have been a little bit, a, a tinge organizational hubris with their O-line, saying, oh, it'll all be fine. We got Quentin Nelson. But you have to remember that Anthony Costanzo is, is retired now, um, and that's a huge hole to be feeling at tackle. And I think that, honestly, 21 is a perfect place to do it. Uh, bring in a guy like Liam Eikenberg. Um, slot him in at, at, at left tackle and, and, and make it happen, or at least have Sam Tevy be looking over his shoulder in camp saying, man, this is going to be a competitive battle. 
because this is what we do in Indianapolis. We come out and we have a top five, top seven offensive line in the NFL year in and year out. And that allows guys like Jonathan Taylor to have great years. That allows guys like Carson Wentz to be able to make the right read and, and, and feel confident in what they're doing offensively. Still bringing Matt Eberflus back as a defensive coordinator. I don't have too many concerns about the defense. Sure, there's stuff you can definitely shore up in the later rounds. I think Blackman was a great pick last year. You still got guys like Rocky Sin who are young, and uh, bringing in DeForest Buckner was huge for them last year. And then obviously Darius Leonard being the centerpiece of that defense and living up to every expectation that, that was given after he proved he was that type of player. So I, like I said, man, I'm looking at tackle right now for the Colts round one. Yeah, Lee, I completely agree. Uh, I think it's this has to be a tackle spot. You need to get an upgrade over Sam Tevy, or at least, I mean, everything that you said is, is true, and I'm glad you brought up Matt Eberflus because I think that continuity going forward with the defense, I mean, that was a defense that really surprised me last year, really overperformed, um, in my opinion. I guess, you know, if you're not going to go tackle, which I think would be stupid, I think an edge prospect like uh, Jalen Phillips, Pay, I think you don't really have a, a difference maker. You have a lot of good players with Taekwon Lewis and, you know, Komoko Ture, uh, Ben Banigo, a lot of guys that they've taken swings on in the second round. But, you know, they just don't really have a difference maker outside of DeForest Buckner um, on that on that defensive line. So I think that's something that, you know, they definitely could add. Yep. But, but then again, like, you need to commit to Wentz, I think. You need to just give him all that he can handle. Um, or all you know, protect them as much as you can, and I, and again, like it goes back to what you said about the receivers. I completely think. I mean, we all were big Pittman guys coming out last year. I think Paris Campbell. I completely agree with Lee said. Like him being your number three receiver, I think is a great, just a great, great option to have. Doing what he can do after the catch. So I think the receiver, and, and I believe in the depth of this class a little bit. Um, so uh, I think it's got to be a left tackle, and if it's not going to be left tackle, then maybe you know, uh, best edge available. Yeah, I I tend to to agree, although I don't you know, I don't I think T Y Hilton is past his prime, and I think like you know like you said Paris Campbell hasn't really been able to stay healthy, and Michael Pittman also had some health issues and wasn't really as impressive maybe as I thought he would be in his rookie season. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I I still I still believe in him. It wasn't like a, a Rager type year, but um, definitely I think just just you're potentially looking at a situation where, you know, those three guys might not pan out, mm. right? Um, I don't know, at, at 21, maybe are you too far back? Is it, You know, do you like Bateman enough maybe to take him there? But then if, if Bateman's gone, I think it's a little bit too high maybe to go into the next tier unless, you know, uh, unless you like Kadarius Toney um, a lot. So it, it's just, I think, I think receiver would be we, an, an interesting spot there, but... Um, I do definitely think I, – I just think you have to build around Carson Wentz, right? Like the defense the defense was solid. I think you need to do everything in your power to make it so that Carson Wentz is as comfortable as possible and, and has the best chance to succeed. I'd be, if I'm looking at receiver, I'd be eyeballing Rondale Moore here too. Cover your ears, clap. But a guy who played, uh, played his college ball in Indiana, obviously has some injury history, but proven that he can be an absolute explosive playmaker when given the opportunity and someone who – I think could learn a thing or two from a guy like T.Y. Hilton um, when it comes to the ability to get open in the NFL and, and, and kind of be that trusty receiver who's not just an after-the-catch guy. So, um, yeah, I think that could be having that dynamic on your offense, if he can stay healthy, I think would do wonders for Carson Wentz. 
So in the AFC South at 22, right behind the Colts is the Tennessee Titans. This is a team that Tommy is consistently fading. And I, I think they there's definitely a reason year. for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, they won the South. They won the South, but I, you know, I learned but not a lot. in the fashion that you expected. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they, you know, the Titans maybe more than any other team lost uh, a lot of key contributors from last year. They lost Corey Davis, who had the best year of his career so far last year. Uh, they lost Johnu Smith as well. The defense was really, really bad last year. But they did add Bud Dupree, um, which I think will help. And yes, maybe they overpaid, but at the end of the day, I think Bud Dupree's, you know, he's going to do more more harm or more good um, than than the harm maybe that comes from the the amount of money that you gave him. But they let Dory Jackson go as well. The de- defensive backfield is is looking pretty rough, other than Kevin Byard, unless you kind of still believe in Janoris Jenkins, who. It maybe isn't the player he used to be, but was having some nice moments in, in New Orleans. Tommy, what's what's the plan here? Is is everything on the table? I was just about to say, Adam, like other than quarterback and running back, and I guess left tackle, like where could they not use um, a player? You know, linebacker. I mean, I think yeah, linebacker. That's rightly. I was about to say Jay, they brought back Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans. That's a that's a nice Great little duo. nice little combo you got there. I mean, obviously, I think for me, just in terms of value, I probably would put corner as my number one uh, need because you're relying on Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton pretty much to to be your guys. Um, you know, but I think the Bud Dupree move was probably the most overrated move of free agency. Like, I don't, I don't think that he's a real difference maker, and I, I could be wrong, but I. You know, so I think you can go. You can go edge. Uh, you can get another interior defensive lineman next to Jeffrey Simmons, uh, receiver. Obviously, like you know that you could use a Rashad Bateman, but I would like to think that I probably this is what I would do. I would go corner. I would take, you know, whether it's Greg Newsom, Asante Samuel. Um, I'm assuming that Horn and Sertain will definitely be long gone by this point. And with Caleb Farley's back, uh, that's just a little sketchy to me. You're one pick before the Jets, who I think are probably in that that cornerback conversation as well. So I think you take your your top corner on the board, and then go get a guy like Tylen Wallace in the second round. That's probably what I would do. Um, but really, like they have needs all over. They have needs all over, and this is this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a tough year in Tennessee and Nashville. Yep. So. And I'm happy that it's trickled down to me to bring this up. I mean, what a what a punch in the gut the Isaiah Wilson saga has been just for them picking him last year with uh, the second-to-last pick in the first round and hoping that he could be their kind of right tackle of the future um, and him just, you know, being being who he is um, and, and kind of being just like an utter failure. Um, but I think that I'll push back against the corner talk, man, and it's just because you need to get a receiver, man. I think this is Rashad Bateman territory. If he's available, I think you pick him. Teams are just going to be quadruple guarding A.J. Brown at this point because you don't have anyone else who's a threat in the passing game. Clap, I know you like your boy Josh Reynolds. I don't think he's any more than a wide receiver three. Um, and even still, if you're plugging him in a wide receiver two, you're going to have Nick Westbrook Akeem being that third guy. I just don't I don't think you can win in the NFL that way. You have to be able to pass the football. I know Derrick Henry's arguably the best running back in the league, but um, I think you even shelve defense uh, to to the next round, and you got to figure out 
how you can go. I think the Titans even possibly should get aggressive and try to move up for like a stud receiver like Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle if they possibly can because I, I just don't think they have any firepower in their passing game outside of A.J. Brown. Well, they just don't have really the depth, I think, to be that aggressive. And I also, I mean, obviously I think the receiver class is deeper than you do, Lee, but the corner class, surely, I think is a little bit more of a, of a crapshoot when you get into the later rounds. Um, and, you know, these guys are spread all over the place. Like, you know, are you going to be able to get a guy like Eric Stokes or Tyson Campbell, the two Georgia guys? I mean, I don't really know yeah. what, what the date. I guess I would just say is, like, I think the Dupree signing is, like, better than you do, obviously. I think that the Titans' front seven is still, like, really, really good. I think they have an incredible front seven. And I think, yeah, like, they have needs at corner. But then again, they drafted Christian Fulton fairly early last year. He should be able to, like, come in and be a formidable cornerback 1B with Janoris Jenkins it, and, yeah. and this other dude on the roster, uh, Chris, ja- Chris Jackson. I don't know how good he is, but he's number he's slotted ahead of Christian Fulton. So I just think, I, I think like let's let's take your argument for a second. Like you, if you move up, even getting a guy like Rashad Bateman, they very well could be better than Corey Davis, and like that wasn't really the issue. I think like you got an you got a absolutely. But you don't know how big of a not you don't know how big of an issue it'll be when it's not there. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Is like. You, I think Corey Davis was a big part of what made their offense work last year. I don't think you can just take Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, like pull them out of that offense, and you're getting. I think the offense is like insurmountably different now without those two players. I would say that I that's agree. The th- that's and, the third and, let's and not fourth about best the, player. The FedEx Air Art Smith leaving the building too. Yeah, obviously, but I mean, even if you don't take that into consideration, still like the playmakers make the plays and you don't have playmakers on your offense outside of AJ Brown. He's literally the only dude on your offense. I'm confident catching the ball ahead of the line of scrimmage. Like that can't happen. And you, and I think you need to figure out how you can add that dynamic. I guess I'll be say, I guess I would say that I would be much more confident in taking a playmaker on day two than I would be taking a corner where, I mean, you guys know me, I was the biggest Christian Fulton guy, but Again, like I just think you can never have enough corners, and especially a team that was awful in the secondary last year, and they lost. They lost Malcolm Butler. They lost Adoree Jackson. Um, this defense was, you know, these were you. You were betting a bunch of team total overs when you were going against the Titans. You were betting a bunch of overs when the Titans were playing because their defense was a complete sieve, especially in the secondary. So I would push back against you. Kind of, I mean, their front seven is is good, but. This defense has, has been bad for the past two years, and I think they got worse. And this is why I'm so, you know, bearish on this team is just like they have so many holes, man. And I almost would like they could be a team that could like even trade back and just take more of a, a dart throat approach of just like trying to get more picks and get, you know, get more than seven picks. I don't know how many picks they have and just kind of. I think their biggest hole is receiver. I guess that's just what I'm saying. I, I, I kind of agree with Lee in that sense, but. At the same time, you know, the board will kind of dictate, I think, where you go, right? Because this is not a, a team that doesn't have multiple needs. Um, it just it just sort of depends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we get into I, a, a quick, as we approach the, go ahead. I just want to say, I would consider, honestly, the way the division is shaping up. And I, Tommy, I know you're fading the Titans. I'm kind of right there with you. But if I think the Titans are in a situation where it's like, this is still your window. Like, Derrick Henry is the most dominant yeah. in the NFL, running back in the NFL, like, now and next year, maybe. 
Like, Ryan Tannehill's been good, like, now. I know A.J. Brown is young, but he's, like, in his prime. The division is exploitable. The Colts are really the only true opponent, I mean, if, unless you want to include the Jaguars, that's, like, feasibly going to win that division over you. I would consider trading my first-round pick next year in 21 to move up to 12 to get Devonta Smith. I would absolutely consider it. And, and keep my second-round pick this year, I would absolutely consider it. I think that your receiver room outside of A.J. Brown is a bunch of scrubs, honestly. And, and you're not going to look at that even, way. Even your if Devonta Smith be better. is better than Corey Davis, like look at that team last year and how they – like the, I think that was their ceiling last year. And even if you get a better version of Corey Davis and Devonta Smith and all of a sudden you have A.J. Brown, you have two potentially elite receivers – I just, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a lot more confident in them winning the division that way than than trying to be like, oh, we're going to be safe and take a corner at 21 and just build the defense. Yeah, I think you kind of need to get aggressive here and be like, listen, you lost a lot of production with with Johnny Smith, and you're also betting on yourself trading a first round pick next year, saying, hey, we're gonna we're doing this because we're gonna win the division and we're gonna go and you can have our 23rd or 24th or hell, we're gonna go win the Super Bowl where you're gonna have our 30th pick next year or whatever. Yeah, I guess I guess I I think that's kind of where. I would, I would be thinking. as a putting myself in John Danner and, and Titan Nation's shoes, and as a guy go cross sport to San Jose Sharks who have made a lot of moves like that, where you know in the NHL where you're you're trading future capital when you're a team that I think their window is kind of passed. No matter, and especially in a sport like football where it's such a team game, and like you know how much even if they get but a how guy, how is like, their window passed? Because I, I think it. because I think they're I think last year. They had an awful defense and were had to win a lot of shootouts, and they lost like a lot of that production. Even if you bring back Devonta Smith, I still, you know, I'm still incredibly skeptical of, of Todd Downing. I, re- I mean, I really believe maybe this is just my belief in how much Art Smith was was stirring that pot. But I just would be, I'm very against trading future first round picks unless unless you're getting a quarterback. But like if you're going up to get a receiver and you're going to trade a future first round pick. Where a year from now you could be a team that you know won seven games with Devonta Smith and you have like a top fifteen pick and now you gave that away. I mean, obviously, I think Devonta Smith is a great player, but well, I'm not saying it's not a gamble. I'm just saying it's like betting on yourself to beat to like we're gonna like we like we do because this is what the Titans do. Like we're gonna make the playoffs because they've done it four of the last five years or whatever, and it's like we've lost so much of our offense. With Johnny Smith and Corey Davis, like we need to get a guy who can supplement that, and then if we make the playoffs, fine. Like we can, you can have our first round pick, but this is the only way that we're really going to be able to truly supplement that is by drafting a, a star receiver. So yeah, I'm not saying it's not a gamble; it's totally a gamble. It's totally putting your nuts on the table. But I'm just saying, I would if I'm Tennessee, I would consider doing it because your I window guess, to me is right now. Okay, so what they have the 22nd pick. It's like, what are the chances that they are picking at 22nd or higher in 2022, even with Devonta Smith with this roster? I I think that the chances are there, man. I think the chances are there, depending on. I mean, obviously, depth drafting matters. Because you would just you would just have to win the division again and win one playoff. Like, yeah, I think that team. Like, I think that's a. I think that's an. I mean, that's a definitely a likely scenario. Yeah. And I, I and I still believe in Vrabel, of course. Yeah, and that division, like, like we've said, the division is exploitable. I like the Colts as much as anybody else, but like, if I'm a Colts fan, I'd be a little bit worried if they're bringing in a star on their maybe, offense. Maybe, maybe I'm off my rocker, but if I just think like, okay, t- the Titans have two AJ Browns, it's like, wow, that's that's intimidating. But this team just has so many holes on the rest of their like, and and one also, I like, I'm still not sold necessarily on Ryan Tannehill. 
Where so, are all these holes that you're talking about? If they have two where, AJ Browns, corner where aren't the holes. I think I think obviously right tackle. Their linebackers are great. Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. You love Harold Landry. I know Bud Dupree may be a little overrated, but him and Harold Landry is a pretty good tandem at outside backer. Uh, Kevin Byer is one of the best safeties in the league. They still have Amani Hooker as like a depth safety. You've got Janoris Jenkins, Christian Fulton, and Chris Jackson at corner, which could be improved, but still, like, receiver's clearly a bigger hole to me. To me, the biggest hole would be, like, I guess depth tackles because Lawan has a tendency to get injured and Isaiah Wilson screwed you over and, like, tight end. But I think if you're getting another A.J. Brown, like, the tight end thing doesn't really matter as much and you're still, like, in pretty good shape. You said their defense was terrible last year. Like, Bro, a lot of the reason why their defense was terrible was because Addery Jackson and Malcolm Butler were terrible. Like those guys are gone now. It's not like you're like losing that much by losing well, them. Those guys Jackson, have a lot to I think prove. was hurt if I remember correctly. Like he was he was injured a lot of the year. Yeah, but also totally. it's like like but they're going to be worse unless Christian Fulton is like an elite corner. Like you're you're and Janoris Jenkins is like washed, man. Like he's not that good, I think. Like I think he's like better than Malcolm Butler. Like maybe they're the same. I don't think it's that big of a downgrade in the in the defense. Yeah, even at best though, it's like a lateral move. It's just like a lateral move, and and also I think the Colts are better too, and I think the Jaguars are better. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's (laughs) that's no, no. I mean, I I mean, I mean, mean, the Jaguars are better like than they were last year. I think the division is better outside of the Texans. I mean, obviously, but you know. I'm just saying, I think if the Titans draft a receiver, trade up and get a receiver, and you're talking another A.J. Brown, it's hard to say they're not better. Yeah. I, I just think it's really hard to say that they're not better. Because even if their defense is the same, I, th- I still think if they, like, I don't know, the potential. I think, I think too, I mean, it comes down to coaching, though, too, with, with Arthur yep. Smith leaving. Totally. Yeah, that's, and it's hard to project time. how big of an impact that's going to have. Like, obviously, it's going to have an impact, yeah. but we that's don't really huge, know to what extent. Huge X factor. Um, before we move on, I wanted to bring it back to the Chargers real quick because I had a thought that I've been hanging on since we stopped talking about them that was kind of in the vein of our, our Bengals talk that we had pre-pod. Um, what about them taking one of the receivers if, the, one of the, if they were to fall over totally. a tackle? Mm. I love that idea. I think uh, that's something we didn't talk about, and I think it's worth mentioning because I, my one part of my whole thing with the Bengals was like they have so many holes, um, and you know the, the Chargers really have one hole. I think at left tackle, if you if you you know kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, and you know Mike Williams, I think is a, has been a nice fit, but really you know is kind of a jump ball 50-50 guy, and Keenan Allen obviously is an elite receiver. And I would I, say that that like defines luxury pick though. I don't say I don't I I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. be like, oh man, that's a bad pick. Like I disagree with that. But I'd be like, that's a classic luxury pick where they're literally just like more more dominance on offense. We're not passing this guy up. Kind of similar to the Cowboys with CD Lamb a little bit. I, the Cowboys offense is probably a little bit better, but still, it's like you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Mike Williams. Like now we're gonna go get you know Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, whatever you name it. It's like that is a luxury pick to me. Well, especially like I mean, if you, they were to get a guy like Jalen Waddle, who, you know, Justin Herbert was making Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton like legit deep threats. I just think like that's an aspect to their offense that they 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 don't have. And getting a guy who has that that is that elite of a deep threat, I think from day one, and it goes back to kind of what we we're talking about with the Bengals, like who helps Justin Herbert more. You know, next year from day one, is it Christian Derisaw or is it one of these receivers? Um, I just thought it was worth mentioning and, and interesting, an interesting thought. 
Yeah, and I think Mike Williams, he's on the last yep. year of his deal. And, and I'm not sure if that's a guy, really, that you want to Similar bring back to Corey next Davis, year. Similar to Corey Davis, kind of. Well, even, like, I think so, Corey Davis, yeah. you know, I don't know. What did Corey Davis get, like, $15 million? I just would not pay Mike Williams anywhere near that, um, you know. If he has a Corey Davis-esque year, man, I think we'll be singing a different tune. And, I mean, he's going to be, if they don't draft a receiver, he's going to be relied upon. With him, a lot of it is just health, I feel like. And, like, he's had some weird... You want to kind of, here's something that's kind of crazy. Um, Mike Williams is only one year younger than Keenan Allen. Oh, wow. That is crazy. He's 26? Keenan Allen's 28. Mike Williams is 27. Wow, he's 27. At, at the start of the so season. Mike Williams must have been forget, like 23 coming forget out. some of these guys. I'm looking at the draft this year, too. And, and that is kind of like. Yeah, a, he, was, he was an older prospect. It, it is kind of like a ding when you think about it where it's like. If you've got two prospects that are neck and neck, and it's like, well, this guy was born in 2000, and this guy was born in 1998, so like, yeah, you got to give the nod to the younger guy, right? Just assuming that he's yeah, because you can he he hits that second contract, and you still yeah, want to pay him, yeah. Greg, whereas like Mike Williams is a guy with injury history, and you're going to be signing him when he's 28 years Greg old. Newsome. It's like the weird thing about how like Joe Burrow's older than Darnold. Yeah, Greg Newsom. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Newsom won't be 21 until November. Another. Thing that that boy think. ain't even drinking yet. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even go to those bars in Evanston. <laughs> no. Um, let's let's jump quickly to the Lions here. Um, I just wanted to talk about that they. I don't think any any position is off the table other than tight end or running back. Like I think I think every single position. Would be and obviously I don't think they'll select obviously and they shouldn't select an edge or a safety at seven just because the value isn't there. But if there was a Jamal Adams in this draft, if there was you know the the Bosa's of the world um, in this draft, I think they would absolutely be in the conversation at seven based off of need. But just by the way that the draft bar, board is kind of falling, I don't think we're maybe talking about um, those positions as much for the Lions and. I just wanted to say that I would be a really big fan of them taking a edge in the second or third round. Um, I'm a huge Peyton Turner fan. I wouldn't be against them taking him at 41. The question is, where? what does the NFL think of him? Would he be available in the third round? Are you willing to wait that long? Which could be an, an agonizing wait if you're if you're really in love with him. Um but I, I just think I, I just want to say too. You look at the defense, right? And people will say, "Oh, well, the defensive line actually isn't that bad," which is theoretically true. You have Romeo Aquara, who had a breakout season last year. You have Trey Flowers, who has struggled to stay healthy, but is a solid player. Yes, he's overpaid, but he's still a starter level player, uh, which the Lions don't have a ton of those, <laughs> anyways. And then you have on the interior, you have John Penasini who was really solid last year for a six-round pick, and you have Nick Williams, and then you're Brockers. hoping that Julian yeah. Aquara, and then you added Michael Brockers, forgot to say that, and then Julian Aquara, you're hoping, and he's been injured for like two straight years now, which is kind of scary, but you're hoping he kind of can turn into something. I'm done expecting anything from Deshaun Hand or Austin Bryant, but I'm hoping that they can turn into something. But I just think Edge... Rusher and and, pa- and pass rusher should completely be on the table for the Lions uh, in, in the second or third round, just because number one, I don't think Trey Flowers is part of the long term future, and the Lions have just struggled the last three seasons to even remotely get close uh, to rushing the passer. And I think if 
you add somebody who who brings that to the table, then your corners are going to be better, right? Like mm. your secondary. One of the reasons that I kind of am against them taking a corner is because I don't even really think you can fairly judge Owari and Okuda just because they're on an island for six seconds because no one's getting after the quarterback. So I just wanted to put it out there that I think um, Edge should absolutely be on the table um, for the Lions in the second or the third round. And uh, I would be over the moon if they were able to get uh, a Peyton Turner in round three. Yeah, I think also this is a great draft to get. I've just gotten through watching most of the Edges. I still have some work to do. Got to watch your boy Turner. Got to watch a few other guys. But, I mean, I think this is a great draft to need an edge in the second or third round. I think there's a lot yeah. of high-motor players that are really, you know, there are. that are really tempting to, to take. I mean, I just got through watching Ronnie Perkins. Maybe it's a bit of recency bias, but I think he'd look great in a Lions uniform really getting after it, um, you know, with, with his play style. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think that the Lions probably need to look towards that edge position in the second and third round, and I think that there are a, a slew of players that, very well could be good fits for them, and I'm interested to see kind of how they go about, um, you know, making that happen in the on, on, on day two. Yeah, I mean, everything should be on the board for the Lions. I'm looking over their depth chart right now. Clap your boy Charles Harris. I didn't know they signed him. It's coming full yeah, circle. Not- they did? Full circle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Came- yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the zoo boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everything's coming full circle. I, I mean, he's Charles seen draft as golf, right? He was 20, drafted by the I think Dolphins, he's, I think he's oh. 2017. I think it was the first year of the back judge. I haven't heard his name since he I, was drafted. Uh, I looked up Charles Harris on that website, Mock Draftable. Yeah. And they have all the little... He has one of, like, the worst charts. Like, it's so bad. I, I didn't even know. Which is funny, because what I remember from watching Charles Harris is he's this little, like, explosive guy. You got Mizzou bias. apparently the testing... Shane yeah, Ray I do have and, a zoo bias. Charles Harris. Yeah. Oh, I love Shane Ray. I love Shane Ray. I, I predicted him. I projected him the first year of the back judge to lead the league yep, in sacks. Yep, or something. Yep. He did. <laughs> that was yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I wanted to say, and I think I think you guys are gonna like this, but talking about the safeties, I think safety is definitely a, a position they should look to draft. How about bringing in Malik Hooker? Oh yep. yeah, baby, love the that only thing. Well, I mean, we talked about this through the free agency though, and it's like him and Tracy Walker. It's like a bit redundant. Like it's you know, I don't know. Like I. Yeah, but I mean, Tracy Walker's no no sure. No, bet. he's not. No, he's not. But it's just like you're so, gonna have to give up on you know one of those guys. Hooker, I feel like if, if you sign Hooker Malik to Hooker, me, sorry. Well, I was just Hooker saying, to, I, I obviously like Malik Hooker. He was a first round pick. We all liked him coming out, but he's had injury issues. But I, he I, I, he perfectly to... fits the, the the trend of what the Lions have been signing. It's like yes. guys who are, who yes. are overlooked, like who him. have a chip on their shoulder, who are getting doubted for one reason or another. And it's like, hey, sign a one year deal here. Let's see what you can do. You know, there's no such thing as a long term plan right now. We just want some guys to show out to get another contract or to perhaps stay here in Detroit. Like I think he fits the mold of everything the Lions embody right now in this rebuild. And it's like, hey, hop along the train, man. Let's see what we can do here. And heck, if he can play to the potential that everyone saw out of him, then the Lions have a dude that they can re-sign and he can be, you know, like a cornerstone of that defense. He- yeah, I, I will say, I mean, last year's injury was an Achilles tear. Yeah. So that is really bad. I don't know if he'll ever really be kind of the, the rangy guy that he was at Ohio State and even in, in the first couple games of his rookie season before he tore his ACL, but... Still, I just I just kind of saw today that he was still unsigned, yep. and I just thought to myself, man, just bring him uh-huh. in. No harm, no I foul. Love the cow- there was a lot of rumors with him and the Cowboys. A little some some suspected tweets. I would love to see the Cowboys mm. go out and get him. Uh, Clep, I just want to like 
not hold your feet to the fire a little bit, but like, where are you at with the Lions and a receiver, man? Like, are are you? Do you want them to draft one on the on the in the first three rounds? Like, are you? You got Khalif Raymond, Tyrell Williams, and Prashad. I, I mean, my my whole receiver argument has always just been positional value, right? And considering the the state of the rebuild, I just think it would be a mistake to take a receiver over a tackle at seven, and I think it would be a potentially franchise damaging mistake to take a receiver over a quarterback. Yeah, at that totally. Uh, at, at at seven, um, they and and I sent that text to you guys. I mean, taking a receiver in the first round is risky business. It, it's it's that that one guy tweeted out for like the last, I think it was like sixteen drafts. The wide receiver is the one position that has the lowest amount of guys that resign with the team that drafted them after their rookie contract is up. Yeah, it was like twenty seven percent. Now, obviously, there's outliers in that. Like I said, with Odell. You know, he was traded for a first-round pick, and he signed his contract with the Browns, right? I don't think he – did he sign – I think he signed with the Browns instead of the, the Giants. Well, and there's also probably that, some his big, some, some so, context there with, like, a guy like Corey Davis who, you know – Yes. You know, who obviously was – But, but Corey Davis was not no, worth the pick. No, no, five. no. He wasn't worth the pick. So, so my, my point with that is saying, number one, wide receivers are not necessarily sure bets anyways um, – I, I would like to take one maybe in the in the second or third round if the right guy is there. I mean, you know I love Deami Brown. Um, so if he were available at, at 41 and the Lions took him, I would definitely be, uh, you know, pro, pro that pick. But I also think, you know, receivers come along every year in the draft as well as free agency. I mean, the Lions just let Galladay walk out the door. And um, I'm not necessarily opposed to letting Goff just kind of flounder. Yeah, well, obviously um, there's that. You know, I... I don't think I think Tyrell Williams is a is a starting NFL receiver. I truly do. Hopefully, he can come back from injury um, and, and and play most of the season and, and be productive. Rashad Perriman, I'm not really expecting anything from. For what it's worth, he was like the second most productive receiver on the Jets last year, and Antoine Randall kind of banged on the table for him apparently because he coached him in Tampa, um, and then Khalif Raymond has not done anything in the NFL. I mean, he's a speed yeah. guy, but he, he hasn't really done anything. And then Cephas, you have him. He played surprisingly well last season. Um, you know, if you listen to the press conferences, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have talked a lot about speed. Um, and so maybe they just, they might not value him, but, but he's there. Um, so uh, they need, absolutely need to draft a wide receiver. It's just more of more about, I mean, I, like, you know how I think about building teams. I just think you need to build through the team. Yeah, I guess what, so it's what I was like, about to ask So you. it's like if there wasn't a quarterback there, I would just take an offensive lineman at seven, and then I would not be opposed to taking two D linemen in, in rounds two and three because I think I think those two positions, defensive line and offensive line, not only are they important and the, you need them in order to have a, a competitive team, but they're really, other than quarterback, they're the two positions that help out other positions more, you know, more than if you draft a corner, you're not all of a sudden going to get better at pass rush. But if you draft a pass rusher, all of a sudden your corners are start playing a little bit better because there's less time to throw. They can jump on routes and, and, and things like that, as opposed to last year where every corner just knows that they're on. I an think the Niners are a great example seconds. with that too. Kind of seeing what they did after yeah. they brought Bosa in and how much it bolstered their secondary. And I know they they brought in Dick Sherman, but still, like, I think that their their secondary is a great example of like playing really well off of their awesome D-line. 
Yeah. No, that's – I guess, yeah. I, I just wanted to see like, you know – Club, would you be mad if if they take Jamar Chase at seven? Or like, what? What would your reaction be? It, 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 the, the context is who's on the board, right? I'll be livid if no, Fields or Lance no is on the board. No quarterbacks are on the board. Yeah, no quarterbacks. And Sewell, Slater's then, on the board. Slater's like the best tackle on the board, and they take Jamar Chase. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset that they took Jamar Chase, but at the same time, I would prefer them to take Slater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would not be upset at all about taking Jamar Chase. But at, at the same time, it's just like I don't think. You know, it's not a for sure thing that Jamar Chase is going to be good in the NFL. I think it's extremely likely. I mean, he he played, I mean, he he lit the college football you know world on fire next to Joe Burrow with Matt when he was nineteen, right? Like, I mean, he's he's and he beat AJ Terrell, he beat Teron Diggs, but still, you know, you're not looking at a, a guy maybe who's like an elite separator, despite the fact that he did run supposedly a four three. I don't think he's that fast of a player no. on tape. I think he's more of a Four four, you know, late four four, four five type of type of guy on, on tape, but no, I wouldn't be upset if they took Jamar Chase. It's just just more of a situation where I don't necessarily think that. I, I just think, like you see in free agency, it's like there's no freaking tackles available, and the one that was available got paid twenty million dollars to go play for the for the Niners and Trent Williams, whereas this year there was Will Fuller, there was Kenny Galladay, there was Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, there was Corey Davis. There was tons of guys mm-hmm. that that you can bring in on a year to year basis. Whereas with the tackles, there's really not that. And I think it's a perfect situation where it's like we have Taylor Decker, who's long term, and then we have another tackle on a rookie contract, and you can kind of just keep you know running the balance of that. So, and, and I think if you have Slater on your team, and you, you know you stick him in at right tackle, you know Vitae is one of the worst contracts in the NFL, but he's at least an average guard. He's at least an average guard. And so then you have, you know, a rookie tackle with a lot of upside on the right side, an average right guard, a, 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 a you know, above average to potentially like Pro Bowl level. I think he's a Pro Bowl level center yeah, in Frank totally. now. And then for, Taylor Decker had a Pro Bowl year last year. He had the best year of his career last year. And then Jonah Jackson was extremely promising on the inside. I wish they kept Odeyabushi, to be honest, mm. just to plug him in at right guard and keep him there. But... Um, anyway, I mean, that, that kind of ends my, my Lions rant, but I, I just think you have a, an opportunity to really solidify your offensive line and defensive line in this draft. Um, and I don't know if drafting a, a receiver, cause it's like, what happens if you draft Jamar Chase and you just like never figure out the quarterback situation? It's like, I, you know, yeah, I think uh, you can... whereas, whereas a guy like Slater, I think you can keep around for much longer. I don't know about that. Despite what happens at quarterback. I don't know. I think I think both the, – the high ends of both of I those I think you're positions. screwed regardless if you don't figure out exactly, the quarterback Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I, that's uh, true. But I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's just like – I don't know. It's, and then it's, it's like at the same time, like how special is Jamar Chase? Is he seventh overall? Like, I believe so. You know? I think Devonta Smith is. And I think Jamar, you can make an argument. So. Devonta's just my number one, so he's just the guy that I would take. But I think these receivers are pretty special, man. And I don't know. I mean, hey, maybe you might be getting a Ruggs where it's like they, they disappoint in their rookie year. But still, I mean, I still think Henry Ruggs can have a really good career. I still think Jerry Judy is going to be really, really good. We saw what Justin Jefferson did. I know Rager was, was underperformed, but I think he's an outlier in comparison to what what's been going on recently with you know at least last year with the receivers even some of the second yeah well I, I hated Rager yeah, from Clef the was start, a Rager so. was a Rager hater Rager yep. hater 
Yeah. Um, Tommy, do you want to yep. get us rolling here? Let's move here? on to the win Indeed. totals, and let's stay in Detroit. The, the second the second half of the 45. Let's yep. stay in Detroit, guys. Tight 45. Let's stay in Detroit. You hear me? I said let's stay in Detroit. Detroit Lions. I heard you. Yeah. The win total is five. Minus 110 both ways. Klepp, start us off, buddy. I'm I'm just going to say under. I don't know. I it, We'll see what they do in the draft. I think, you know, the Lions are maybe one of those teams that you will look to the draft to say, do I think they can get over the threshold just because I think whoever they take in the first, second, and even the third round will be starters. Um, whether or not, you know, they won't be starting level players, but they'll just have to be starters based on the way that the depth chart is right now. Um, you know, I, I don't... It, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I'm... A lot of this will be maybe more stuff to, to talk about with, with Lee when we do our, our Lions, Detroit Lions preview podcast, but they're just such an unknown right now with this coaching staff as well as Brad Holmes. Like, it, it's a bunch of former players basically who are the coaches and i'm not saying that dan campbell you know I, I, he played he was under sean payton so obviously there's going to be elements there that are you know x's and o's and, and you know these are smart guys but you know anthony lynn wasn't necessarily a you know a great offensive coordinator aaron glenn has never been a defensive coordinator before dan campbell has never been a head coach uh, it's it's just such an unknown, and I don't believe in Goff the way that some other Lions fans think that, oh, maybe he can recapture what he had in 2018. That's a pipe dream. Um, whether or not he's maybe as good as Kirk Cousins, like, I don't, I don't even think that happens. I think he'll be probably just as good as Andy Dalton, like, and then you just don't have the defense that the Bears have. So um, I think the Lions are kind of set in at that fourth spot in the division. And I think, you know, you, you, you're looking at a four. And, I mean, five is the right thing. I would almost just say push, like four to five wins, maybe even less, though. I mean, it, there's a total possibility they go like two and 15. Yeah, I'm on the over. I'm optimistic. I think that this is a team that's oh, going to rally. Geez. They're going to play hard. Six wins? Yeah, I totally. I mean, there's 17 games this year. I think six wins, you still probably are flirting with the worst team in the division at six wins. Um, I also don't think the Bears are clearly better. I think the Bears are just as big of a, cro- a pile of crap with a worse culture, dare I say it, than the Lions. At least the Lions have a new culture. That's that, no, that's completely true. I think I think you know, long term outlook. Like you could even make an argument that the Lions are set up for future success more than. The yeah, Vikings. well, this is what I'm saying too. It's like the Vikings aren't that great either. We just got through talking about their roster and all the different directions they can go. Playing the Bears and Vikings twice each. I know the Packers are really good, but, like, I don't know. Tommy kind of was the first one to make the comparison with, with the Joe Judge hire or whatever. And the Giants straight up overperformed last year so crazily. The fact that they lost Saquon Barkley, and yeah. I know that I was higher on the Giants than you guys, but still, I mean, losing Saquon, the best player on your team, um, and, and, and having the outcome they did, I think a lot of that had to do with the culture. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that everyone on their roster was playing for that coach. They had a goal in mind. They were playing together. And I think we're going to get that out of the Detroit Lions this year. They have a fourth-place schedule. Jared Goff is terrible. Like, no one on this podcast likes him. But so is, like you said, Clep, Cousins and Dalton, like, I think Cousins is better. But definitely, Goff could. There's a reality in which Goff is the second-best quarterback in the division this year. Like, that is something that could happen. 
Um, I think the Lions... Especially if they take a receiver at seven. I think everyone's on the classic Lions suck train and all that. And I think there's a new culture being built. I'm watching every damn video they release. And maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a yellow-bellied optimist. Like, I have been this whole darn time with the Lions. It seems I'm wrong about them at, at every every which way. Um, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say the over. I think this team's floor is five wins. I really do. I don't think... I think on a, in a 17-game season... Teams that win four games are teams that either need a new coach or have no direction whatsoever, and their roster is just absolute crap. And I'll give the Lions a little bit more credit than that. I think they'll play. I think they're going to lose a lot of close games, and they're going to play up. Yeah, um, I was getting ready to like play both sides of the coin because I, I ultimately want to see what's what's done in the draft. I think gun to head, I probably would take the over just for because I've been kind of parroting the same argument that Lee made, but at this very same time, like. When Dan Campbell was first hired, like I think you could see this team winning like two or three games too. Like I think this 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 could go very south, you know. Well, that, that's what I that kind of my point is, and this isn't to say that if if it goes south this season that it's necessarily an indictment on the rest of the rebuild and, and Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell, but you're looking at a coaching staff that doesn't have a lot of experience in the roles that they have, other than Anthony Lynn, basically. And then you're looking at, hey, at wide receiver, even if you draft a guy, the guy you draft, you know, may have some some rookie, you know, issues. And then, hey, maybe Tyrell Williams just isn't the same player he was. Two wins is and unacceptable. Perriman, Two wins is unacceptable. And, and, and Brashad, I'm just, I'm, let me lay out the, I'm just saying Brashad Perriman doesn't play very well. Quintus Cephas does not play very well. T.J. Hawkinson just kind of remains the same where he's solid, but not, you know, he's not having like an 1,000-yard season for, from a tight end. And then, you know, say DeAndre – and then maybe you take the receiver at seven and the, the line is, is mediocre. DeAndre Swift deals with injury issues again and Goff stinks. Like that's a, that's a possibility on offense. And then on defense, you're, there's a distinct possibility that Jamie Collins continues to regress and just isn't the athlete he was anymore. And your linebackers are still the worst in the NFL. You're still not rushing the passer. And then Okuda and, and Amani just are, you know, below average – starting cornerbacks and Tracy Walker is also a dub, right? I mean, there's just, if I don't think all of that will happen, but I think there's a lot, you know, I think some of it will. And the, the chances of that all happening while are low, it's still, there's still a reality where it happens. And that, that's where I think you get the two and 15 type of season. I, don't, I think the two and 15 is, is Jaguars jets last year. And I don't, I wouldn't put the lions in that category. I think the lions are already a step ahead from just establishing their new culture, getting... I think these coaches are inexperienced, but I think they're going to learn on the fly. I think it's going to be the best coaching Okuda and Owarie have gotten in their young pro careers yet. And I think that this is still a team that, at the end of the day, like, I still think they have enough firepower and weaponry to win more than two games, especially considering the fact that they play the Bears twice and the Vikings twice um, and have a fourth-place schedule. I think two in... Like I I'll say it again, man. Two and fifteen this year for the Detroit Lions. I'm off. I'm out. You don't win. I don't care how bad your roster is with a new coach. You, you the team is not bad enough for you to be the laughing stock of the NFL and to be the gum on the on the sidewalk of uh, of the NFL landscape. You know, getting stepped on every other week. Uh, That's fair. I hope so. I hope yeah, so. We, uh, we can move yeah, on. we can move on. I guess I will say, uh, in closing, um, it kind of comes down to Dan Campbell and and while I've I've made the argument that Dan Campbell could have this like Joe Judge-esque effect. He also could just be like a more likable version of Patricia where he really has no idea what he's doing and the whole coaching staff just is not very good. I think like, I think it's very, 
I don't know. I think I think the coaching staff. I, I don't know. I shouldn't have been so critical. Of, I, I, don't, I was just trying to kind of paint a picture of which it fails. I think, other than the fact that they didn't get Bienemy or, or Dabble, who I think you know, we, I would rather have still, despite the fact that all the stuff with Detroit seems like they have a really good culture going. Um, I was surprised with the coaching staff that they were able to put together, despite that. I mean, guys like Deuce Staley, you know, Anthony Lynn, Aaron Glenn are all hugely respected across the, the NFL and, and we're all considered, you know, good hires. So post post draft win totals, we'll get back to the Lions. It'll be an interesting conversation. Um let's go to Philly. Philadelphia Eagles, the line is set at six and a half, a hundred uh, minus one fifty to the over and plus one twenty three to the under. I guess I'll start this one off and at this number I definitely would take an under with Philly. Um we just talked about it. This goes into what we were just talking about with their roster. I think they're probably the worst team in the division, uh, and it kind of comes down to Jalen Hurts. And I'm this number just seems a little bit off to me. I think six and a half seems like a lot. Uh, I guess it is kind of draft dependent. If they were able to get a weapon for Hurts, I guess that could affect my thinking a little bit. But even then, um, you know, we talked a lot about this early in the episode. I think this team has a lot of holes on defense and offense. And then ultimately, it's like how many games is Jalen Hurts going to be able to will you to? So I think at this number, getting plus 123 to, for the Eagles to win six or less games, I think that's a pretty good bet, and that's probably something that I'd be pretty confident in taking right now. Is that Paolo in the background, Tommy? It is. I'm trying. He's, I'm he's, sorry. He's, he's, he's having a fit. Yeah, it, sound, <laughs> it sounds like, uh, you know, a Morris Peros uh, throwaway yeah. audio is being in the, in the, in the background. Yeah. Sorry about that, just, boys. Just a little background. Got a little the puppy, family, a little Tommy puppy whining. Got a little new, a new. Sorry, puppy. if you're still here at one, if, if you're still here an hour seventeen, you'll you'll, you'll stick, stick through, through the, the, pu- the yeah, dog exactly. Tommy, I'm with you, man. I like the under. We kind of covered Philly already, and yeah, I think we covered so, the yeah. Eagles. I I'm, I'd be on the under, yeah, especially too. With the number. I would um, agree they're the worst team in the division too. Let's move on to Atlanta. The Falcons. The number is seven. It's minus one forty three to the over, plus one eighteen to the under. Um. You know, I don't like the minus 143, but I probably would go over with the Falcons. Um, I think that... What was the number seven, again? Sorry. I think it's seven. Um, Ooh, I think... juice to the over. Yeah, it's very juice to the over. I'm not very confident in it, but I do think, like, they're committing to Matt Ryan. Um, obviously, I would like them to not restructure his contract and draft a quarterback for the future and really plan for the future, but... For the 2021 season, I think they're going to have they're going to be well equipped to compete in a division that I think is very up in the air. We talked about Carolina with Darnold obviously coming in. I think New Orleans and Tampa Bay both are going to regress. Um, maybe I'm completely off my rocker, but this whole narrative about Tampa just they're only going to get better from this point on. I just have a hard time believing that. I think they really got hot at the right time last year, but I do still think that there's some kinks to be to be worked out with that team and and really even Tampa aside, even if they are you know, a 14-win team uh, this year. I think Atlanta, you know, for the past three years have been a team that really is struggles to be to start the season off, but then wins some games that, you know, they beat the Niners two years ago and the Niners went to the the um, the Super Bowl. And, I mean, this team, I just think if their defense can, can you know, play up a little bit and Art Smith puts together a really competent offense, this team has the makings of, of at least a wildcard team, I think. So, I think right now, if I had to bet, I wouldn't. I would not lay minus one forty three. I repeat to to take an over on the Falcons at seven. But I do kind of like the Falcons this year. I think both the Falcons and the Panthers. I think are two teams that I'm kind of bullish on. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't rule out the Falcons taking a quarterback at four either. I totally think that's possible, even with starting Matt Ryan this year. Like 
I mean, the narrative that I completely agree with on Trey Lance is that he needs to sit a year anyway. The narrative is also that if you have a quarterback that you have the opportunity to let sit, usually that's better for the quarterback. If you just look at the classic Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes narrative where it's like, oh, the, those guys sat. So Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL, arguably. Um, so I think that the Trey Lance at four is still a pot. I think it's just as much of a possibility as them taking Kyle Pitts, honestly. I, I think, think well, there's just as, like a lot of... I don't know, Lee. As I've said in the past couple episodes, they restructured Matt Ryan's contract, which makes it like... Not, I don't want to say virtually impossible, but it's, it does not behoove them moving off from him anytime in the next like two to three years. Which makes and the fact that there's all this, it's it's for it's for next year. If you, if they move on from next year, they eat yeah, a bunch of cash. Yeah, so I guess two years. Teams are doing nowadays, but it's it's a lot of money that you would have to. I think it's like might be yes, yes. I still would say I, I I'm not I wouldn't be shocked if they drafted just because it's like it's not every day you get the opportunity to draft a quarterback. Um, but yeah, Tommy, I mean. Ultimately, I'm with you. I'm not confident enough in Atlanta to like lay 143 on the over with them, but I'm also not in the mood, like in the in the mindset where I'm going to fade them because there's you know. Oh, uh, I'm taking the under because they've burned me ever since I put them on the overnight bus. So fair enough. And also, the defense uh, just kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, let's go uh, to the New York Giants, Lee. The number is seven, much like the Falcons, and it's minus 110 both ways. Let's start with you. I mean, it's kind of tough. I I love everything about the Giants except for their quarterback. So yeah. it's kind of hard for me to really get on board. I mean, do I think this is a team that's going to beat anyone in their division twice? Uh, probably not. Do I think this is a team that can overachieve this year? Yeah, but I don't know, man. I think Saquon coming back is going to be huge for them, but I still think they've got Probably the worst quarterback in the division, and if not the worst, then sure, he might be better than Jalen Hurts. The, the jury's still out on that one, um, and, and possibly Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't bet it, but answering you right now, I guess I'll go with the over just because I'm going to be optimistic about it. I think they can be the second-best team in the division. Uh, I think Washington is dealing with a little bit of organizational hubris saying, oh, yeah, we were this good with Heineke last year, so we're just going to bring in the, the most historical journeyman average quarterback in the NFL because he flashed last year, and we're going to be all going to – everything's going to be fine and dandy. Um, so I, I'm not with that logic, and for that reason, I think – the Giants, Saquon coming back. I think Saquon's going to be the best player in the NFL this year, arguably. I really do. I think he's going to come back with a total vengeance, um, and he's going to tear it up. So I'll go with the over. I guess stick with the under. I just I don't know. I'm I wouldn't put any money on Daniel Jones being successful. Yeah. So it's just like that's that's the sticking point for me. And what what here's what would uh, if you replaced a golf. Daniel Jones with Goff. What do you think the win? What do you think the line would be for the for the Giants? Probably like eight and a half. Yeah, probably eight. I'd say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll just. I real. This one's tough, man. Because if you replace think, Daniel Jones with Kyler, what do you think the win total is? For the Giants? Yeah. A lot. Uh, yeah, ten and a half or ten? I'd yeah. say. Just curious. Um. Yeah, I think the Giants have improved, but. How much can they improve on what they did last year? I think I, this is a stay away for me. Hmm. I think gun to head. I think they can improve considerably. The Saquon, size Adam Galladay, and Saquon. Yeah, no, I know they've improved, but like they overperformed so much last year that like how good is is their defense? You gotta hope that the O line is gonna be a little yeah. bit better. I think they can improve. I mean, if if Daniel Jones plays like you know the 
15th best quarterback in the NFL. They're a playoff I team. think they'll hit the over yeah. pretty easily. Well, I, I mean, I was going to say, I was going to take the over just because I think this is, this might, this, they're like a seven win team. Like this, and I think I'm firmly in the Philly being the worst team in the division. So when it comes to like the Giants, Washington, and uh, Dallas, I think one of those teams kind of has to rise above. And I obviously think the least of the Giants of those three, but they have some nice pieces on the board. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll ride with Lee on the over. Um, let's go to Chicago, the Bears. They're at 7-2, minus 121. Oh, under. Listen to this under. club, minus 121 to the over and even money for the, for the under, for the oh. Bears. I think we're all rushing to the window for this one. Um, let's, I mean, like, what is the ceiling for the Bears this year with Andy Dalton? Like, eight wins, maybe? Uh, nine, I guess? And, like, how, you know, Andy Dalton would have to be in the MVP conversation, I think, if they won nine games. <laughs> I don't think they're that bad. I think they're pretty bad, man. I think the defense has uh, is has continually regressed year after year. And well, you saw who was standing next to Ryan Day and Kyle Shanahan at the pro day yesterday. Yeah, Matt Nagy standing right there with the big swingers. Here's, I mean, this is a question: If they were willing to give up everything they 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 offered to Seattle. I mean, they could be moving to four. Yeah, they 100% could. I don't know if it would be in the best interest of their organization to do that. but <laughs> Well, it would be in the best interest of, of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to maybe keep their yeah, jobs. Yeah, probably would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Under. Stay away from me. You're not you're not I'd rushing probably, to, to back probably, and under, Lee? Look, the Bears burned me yeah. last year. I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they made the, the Bears playoffs. Bears' defense so. is good. Still got... Uh, Still got Akeem Hicks. Still Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller. David Montgomery really David Montgomery came on had a great year, year last year. Um, Add some offensive linemen. I mean, this team could be not that great. pretty, pretty average. Division's not that great. Yeah. Who's to say they're not better than Minnesota? I don't, I don't, I think the Packers, maybe I'm always fading the Packers. I don't think the Packers are going to win like 13 games again. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not in love with the under. I probably would lean towards the under, but I'm not in love with it. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm rushing to the window for that under at even money. Um, let's move on to the Washington football team. We're into the eights now. The Washington football team, the, the line is at eight, minus 110 both ways. Um, I guess I'll start it off. I mean, I think they should be the favorites to win the division. Um, and the Cowboys, who we'll get to a little bit later, are, are definitely, uh, the market values them a lot more than Washington. I guess you do get a lot of variance with, with fits, but I love what Washington's done this offseason. I think their defense should be better. They brought in William Jackson. Bringing in a guy like Curtis Salmon will pair with Scary Terry and still the possibility of them adding a guy like Rashad Bateman at 20 and, and you know, make you know giving Fitz all the weapons that he can have or even Heineke. Um, and and I really like, I mean, you know, it's it's all, all, everything that I said last year about Washington, except I think they're going to be better this year. So I think I would take the over with Washington at eight. Um, I think, you know, they pro- if, if Fitz plays all 16 games, he's definitely going to make some boneheaded decisions and maybe lose them, them some games. But I, like, really like – I just really like what Washington's got cooking down there. And, um, you know, I just think you could be seeing very prolific seasons from, from Fitz and Scary Terry and uh, Curtis Samuel as well. So um, I think they're probably the best team in the division right now. So I'm just going to take them to the over. Yeah, I'd actually just gonna, ra- I'd I, actually I, just rather I, bet them to win the division, to be honest. But I like the over. I like the over. They got better this offseason. You know, I just think they're a really solid team. With I, I like Ron Rivera a lot. I wanted the Lions to hire him in 2020, 
20 offseason. I wanted them to camp Patricia, bring in my guy Ron Rivera, but um, I just think they're, they're a solid team. They got better in free agency, but they didn't break the bank. Um, they were a great defense last year. Um, you've moved on from Dwayne Haskins. I think you'll be, I think, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he plays like he did last year. I mean, this is the first time Ryan Fitzpatrick has been on a objectively good team. Yep. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, he's not getting any younger. Heineke was so impressive in the in the playoff game. I mean, considering what the Tampa Bay defense did to Mahomes and did to Aaron Rodgers, uh, Heineke played awesome. Now, can he, you know, recapture that 60-minute magic and turn it into a no. full season? I think, I, think, I think not, but I don't think the Washington football team made a bad decision by, you know, paying the, the cost to see if that, that does happen. So, um, overall, I, I would just take the over. I would love to see them move, move up to four. I, get their, get I was going to say that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't bet on this because I don't want to bet against Washington just because of how good their defense is, and they did get better. I'll agree with that. But I'm for sure not going to like bet on the fact that uh, oh that like this is the highest Ryan Fitzpatrick stock has like ever been. I'm not just going to buy into the fact yeah. that he's like a good quarterback now. This is what's been happening with Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick his whole career basically is just he is inconsistent. He's a roller coaster, and you're not going to get. I think what Washington needs is like consistency. So I thought that that signing was kind of like a little bit mind boggling. I don't know why they would go with a player like like that to try to you know, fix their, their problems from the year before with Alex Smith, which basically just embodied like consistency and, and, and conservative play. Um, I'd love to see this team make a move on Trey Lance. If they don't want to give up all that capital, I'd love to see them snag a guy like Kellen Mond in the second round. I've been saying that. I think that that would be an immediate upgrade. Um, and if you could maybe start playing him halfway through the season, give Ryan Fitzpatrick the two a treatment again, who cares if he's not uh, playing up to par? Uh, I think a guy like Kellen Mond could be huge for that. But yeah, ultimately, I'm not betting the over on this team. I'm not betting the under on this team. I'm staying away, kind of going to see how the Fitzpatrick experiment goes because I'm not confident that even with bringing in Curtis Samuel, I'm not confident that their offense is going to be like insurmountably better just due to the fact that I don't believe Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is going to be like a consistently good quarterback for them. Gun to head, are you taking the under or the overly? Um, well, I guess there's 17 games this year and eight is literally just average, right? So... Uh, yeah, I probably take the over because I do think that you can make an argument this is a top five defense in the NFL. So I think it's kind of hard to bet against that. And there's not a team in this division that I love. Um, I would agree, I would disagree. I would say the Cowboys are probably the best team in the division, getting Dak back healthy. But I still don't love them. So I, I would probably lean towards the over. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's go down to Arizona, Lee. Uh, Cardinals the line is eight as well, minus one ten both ways. I'm assuming this is an over spot for you, or yeah, give me all, give me all that over. I'll die with Cliff. I, I think that it's they, they. This team put all their chips in the middle this year, um, yeah. so I'm not fading them. I know they're in the hardest division in football. I still think Kyler has a lot to prove, um, and I think that that's going to happen this year. I've kind of been saying that since his rookie year. Uh, I like the, the the culture they're bringing in. Obviously, on the field, I don't know if the Watt signing is going to be worth it, or the or the Hudson signing, or the AJ Green signing. But they're bringing in guys who want to play in playoff games, and they're they're sound, right now they're setting that culture. So I like what they're doing in, in that way, and uh, I think Kyler can dare I say it. I think Kyler can perform as the best quarterback in this division. I don't think that's out of the the scale of reality. 
Um, do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know if I'm betting on that, but I am betting on the fact that things are going to come together for the first time in Kyler's career this year. And this offense is really going to start to see a little bit more consistency. He's going to stop making those year one, year two mistakes, and we're going to start to see them getting a little bit of a groove this year. I know they're in that division, but they still didn't make the playoffs last year, kind of floundered towards the end. Um, and if They have the fourth-place schedule in that division, too. No, San Fran. Okay, so they have the third place. That's right, San Fran. They have the third place. Still, third place schedule in the division. I, I, I still think they take advantage of that, and they end up winning nine or ten games. Yeah, I'm I'm with Lee. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over because of if if not this year, then when is is kind of my opinion on the Cardinals. Um, I felt the same way about the Raiders. You know, two this off season, right? Like if it's it's year three now, right? Like. I think that's kind of the point where you start to say, I need to see some results is, is in the third year. Um, and, you know, since the Raiders have kind of gone uh, a little bit cuckoo with their decisions, uh, I do not believe in them. But I, I believe in Arizona still. Obviously, it, the division is, is, is what it is. Um, I think, you know, if you're Steve Kime and or if you're the owner, Michael Bidwell, I think you need to, you know, make any decisions with the, the lens of context. Like if they go seven and ten, but it, the rest of the division is are all playoff teams and some of the best teams in the league, you know, at some point, you know, what can you really, really do? But I think if you, you know, you're the Cardinals, though, you have Kyler Murray, you drafted him number one overall. You should expect to be one of the. You should expect to win the division. You should. Last year you, you floundered. Kyler was injured, and you were trying to play with the Canadian guy, and it's just like. You 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 kind of died out at the end of the year, big time. But big time is right. Again, like I said, if if not now, kind of when. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you guys on the over as well too. Um, I think you know you guys made a lot of great points. I as much as I have kind of been low on Cliff Kingsbury, I still think that. I mean, what did the card did the Cardinals go eight and eight last year? Or was it seven and nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and they've improved in the offseason. As much as I think a lot of it is you know some some fluff, I think the Hudson signing's great. Um, they've got a nice pick at, at 16. I'd like to see them get a little bit better in the secondary. But, you know, I think if not now, is it, when is right. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talent on this team and they can they can win, a, you know, they can win a lot of games. I think this is a 9-10 win team. So I'm surprised this number is at 8. I'm, I'm surprised it's not at 9, um, especially with the Seahawks being up there, which we will get to uh, very shortly. But let's move on over to Minnesota, the Vikings. Are at eight and a half plus one twenty three to the over minus one fifty to the under. Um, uh, I'd be on the under. Yeah. Just I mean, again, we we talked about the Vikings a lot in this podcast already, but just just a lot of holes on the roster. Last year uh, did not go very well. Um, you know the whole Gladney situation. Even though, like Lee said, he was not even one of the better corners on the team last year. Um, but it's not not what you want to see from your your first round pick. Um, so I, I would be on the under again. We talked about the Vikings a lot, but I'd be on the under. Give me the over, man. I'll take the I'll take the underdog spot with the over. Still, again, too. I guess you know you're playing the Bears and the Lions, who I think less of than the Vikings. Yep. Yeah, so. you're, you're playing the Bears and the Lions. It or something. I think last year was like a wake up year for the veterans on this Vikings team. Like I saw a quote from Dalvin Cook saying like there was just like bad juju kind of last year, and we like felt like we were late to the party like week eight, and we didn't have that much to play for. And I think that that is going to parlay into more confidence and focus in this season, realizing that, hey, we're not getting any younger. Dalvin Cook is arguably the most dominant running back in the NFL. We've got a great tandem of receivers with Thielen and Jefferson. We're expecting Irv Smith to step up. 
I think this team is a good draft away from competing for the for the division title. Quite frankly, I think that that could be their ceiling. Um, Mike Zimmer is for sure coaching for his job this year. If they don't get this over, he's out. There's a new coach in Minnesota next year. Um, still think the defense is formidable. Would love to see this Danielle Hunter situation get figured out. But for the most part, I think this team is clearly the second most the team that I have the second most amount of confidence in in the division. And honestly, man, like this may be a, a crazy take. I think this team is closer to the Packers than they are to the Bears. I, I think this is a team that's going to compete at a higher level than, than we may be assuming right now. I'm going to go down with the ship on Kirk Cousins. I've kind of always been the, the Kirk Cousins guy. I'll stick there and say that they improved the O-line and they overperformed a little bit this year coming off a really disappointing 2020 season. Yeah, Lee, um, I'm, I'm happy to ride with you there. I mean, I think just at this number, getting plus 123 to the over, uh, and Lee, I think you made the point that I was going to make too. Forget about the talent, which I all agree with. I mean, the Vikings, what, were like 0-4 to start the year last year? Like 0-5? Yep. I mean, they they, yep. they were in like the Trevor Lawrence. They were like early, you know, people were doing jersey edit, edits of, of a six purple, you know, Trevor Lawrence and the purple 16. Um, I think so much, if they can just start off 2-2 two and two with the, the state of the division as it is with both the Lions and the Bears probably being worse and maybe even the Packers being worse, um, I'm going to be on the over as well too. I think, Clep, you make some good points. Um, just like this team... D- is that dog being tortured? I'm, or something? I'm sorry, guys. This is—it's really bad. No, it's it's, just... <laughs> I, I'm I'm like cringing over here because it really sounds like I'm in Michael Vick's basement right now. But yeah. I, 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 I'm I'm promising you it's just a puppy going through some growing pains. Um, Paolo, Paolo. Um, anyway, yeah, I'll wrap it up. I mean, the Vikings have a lot of talent. You know, Lee. I pretty much agree with everything Lee said, and I think once you contextualize what happened last year and how they started, much like the Bears, how the Bears started five and zero, the Vikings started zero and four. Um, I think this is a team that should be able to win nine games. So I'm going to be That can be such a well. killer, man, starting a season like that. You know? Oh, brutal. Brutal. Um, yeah. Um, let's go down to the Big Easy. New Orleans. The New Orleans Saints. The line is nine at minus 110 both ways. Curious to see what you guys think. Um, I'll start it off. I mean, I think the Saints are going to regress this year, but like, I do believe so much in Sean Payton and like their structure that... You know, I, I probably am going to take an over here just because, like, I don't, I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints won the division. That's another team that we didn't really, t- we haven't really touched on, like what they're going to do in the draft. But a prime position to add a guy like Elijah Moore or uh, Rondale Moore, I think, you know, like getting a playmaker, Kadarius Tony, to pair with Michael Thomas and and really help Jameis Winston out a lot. I think their defense is good. Um, they need a linebacker like hell, man. Yeah, they they do. They do for sure. I think they could be a possible if you see Parsons slipping and we're in that, you know, 16 to 20 range, get, get trade up and scoop Parsons. I think that would be a great move for yeah. New Orleans. Just because they lost Anzalone, right? And then they I know they Zach have Bond last year though, who I liked. That's right. That's um, right. They and have Demario Davis is is very good. I just think if I'm them, there definitely is a need at linebacker, but this is a nice deep linebacker class. Like you can get a guy I mean, yeah. I know Jamin Davis is getting it. Our boy Monty Riceley, who we've yet to really dive in on the pod about, but yeah. there's a lot of good linebacker depth. And I think, I mean, pick your poison with Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, and Kadarius Tony. Like seeing them. Oh, they got Payne's- Andrew Dowell playing linebacker from Michigan State. He played safety at Michigan State. I remember him. I didn't even think he was in the league. My bad. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. But you know, he's just a downhill dude for MSU. Yeah, I mean, who's the number two receiver in New Orleans right now? Is it Traquan Smith? I think. I mean, who's a fine player? But I believe I, so. I, I think you fully got to invest in Jameis, and you know, Jameis. There's a lot of variance with his game, but 
I think, you know, the Saints are being a little underrated. I, I just don't really know what to think, man. Like, what was it's the line? nine. Minus 110 both ways. Yeah, I want no part of it. I think the over... Yeah, I, I, again, I, I wouldn't really bet it. I would... I, the thing is, is you don't even know who the starting quarterback should yeah, yeah. be. So, um, I would just stay away. You know what might be a better bet is not even them winning the division. Some Jameis MVP tickets. 60 to 70 to 1. Give me some Jameis MVP, baby. Before, a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, Abby's going off to practice, guys. Off the COVID break. Off the two-week COVID break. She's back. There we go. She's back. She missed the spring game, which is a Get, shame, but she's going off to practice. She's going to come back with her with her scouting report to practice. I'm excited. Ronnie Bell, wide receiver three, 2022, baby. That's a little rich. Behind the Ohio State boys. Yeah, I don't know, man. All right, Seahawks, next in line. Um, I kind of alluded to them. Right. I kind of alluded to them uh, when we were talking about Arizona. The line is 9.5, minus 110 both ways. I'm going to start this off. I'm going to take an under here, man. I'm going to take an under with Seattle. Um, I know you're kind of playing with fire. It's not something that I'm really comfortable doing, but I mean, I view Arizona higher than them. And I think, you know, I think I love Russell Wilson. I think he's an elite MVP level player, but I mean, this is a team that has to get 10 wins, which they very well can do. But I just, I don't know, man. Uh, Pete Carroll, I just am not, I'm not really liking the future of where the Seahawks team is headed. And I would, I think I would definitely be interested in taking an under at nine and a half. Um, I'm with you, man. I think this is the divorce year for the Seattle Seahawks. I think this is the year where it kind of falls apart. They're in the best division in football. Tommy, like you said, I value Arizona a bit higher. I think the organizational hubris is catching up with Seattle. There's only so many deep balls you can throw to DK to, to get you to the playoffs. You know, I just don't really think that they have enough of a formula. They lost one of their best secondary players in, in Shaquille Griffin. Um, and I just, they don't have a first round pick. I think that the steam is running out in Seattle. Yeah. They only have three picks yeah. in the whole draft. Um, I would be on the, on the under one. I want to though, shout out my guy, Quandre Diggs. Uh, he had a quote tweet. I want to read it to you guys. It was us USA today sports tweeted Brett Favre quote. I can, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't watch anymore. It's not about the game anymore. And I tend to agree as far as politics in, in football. Quandre Diggs says, them TV deals say otherwise, though. You don't like it, Brett. Go out in your backyard and play in them Wranglers. That's hilarious. That's awesome. That's great. Let's get Nino on the pod, man. Let's move down to Dallas. America's team, the Cowboys. They're at 9.5 as well with Seattle. Mm. Plus 110 to the over, minus 134 to the under. Uh, if... if, uh, if I mean, I guess you can adjust it to nine because of the extra game. If Dak wasn't hurt last year, Tommy, do you think they got to nine or ten wins? I think they pro- I think they would have got to nine. I don't know about ten. Because, I mean, like we saw last year, I mean, the offense wasn't the issue. Like, Dak was playing playing really well. Um, you obviously had the Atlanta game, the, the onside kick game. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I... Did you feel good after that win? I did. I, yeah, I did. Because cause yeah. it, I think they, what, were 1-3 at that time? Or maybe that was their first win of the season. Yeah, and I thought in the division, true. the state of the division, I mean, yeah, I, I was I mean, I was jumping up and down. It was an awesome viewing experience. But, I mean, so much of this is dependent on, like, is this team going to improve at all? Like, what is Mike McCarthy? What is his outlook? You know, obviously, 
the fat man as he's as he's yeah that's look, that's looking like another club dud prediction yeah and club you've been you know you've kind of realized your perceived mistake and have been very against McCarthy and and wanting him out and I mean this is for sure a cliff year for him um, Dak got paid the offense I mean I think the biggest move of the offseason is hiring Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator I think he's going to tie a lot together that Mike Nolan was not able to do last year. Yeah. But then again, man, this is not a confident over. I don't know totally. how anyone can confidently bet this over. I mean, you can make an argument that Ezekiel Elliott is completely burned out and not the player he once was. Dak's coming off the biggest injury of his career, also just got paid $40 million a year. Um, the receivers are good. There's no arguing that. The only th- question mark there is, like, can Amari be healthy for a full year? The offensive line, not as good as it once was. I still would say pretty good group. Probably will build in the draft like they always do with offensive line. Then the whole thing is just the defense and how the defense is going to work. And if the division's not great, you know, I, I, I'm not in love with the over. I'm not in love with the under. I, I wouldn't bet it either way. But the Cowboys are definitely one of those teams where this is, this is a year where, you know, McCarthy's a guy who probably won't have his job if they don't get that over. Totally. Um, so, uh, yeah. And and are the Cowboys really one and a half wins better than, than Washington or two and a half wins better than, than the giants? I mean, I, I, you know, I think the, the, the upside is there. I mean, if the Cowboys got the $40 million quarterback, I think that's kind of the logic is like, they've got the guy who is elite. Well, they have the, they have the highest ceiling by far and they might have, they have one of the highest ceilings in the NFL, I think just because of their offense. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a their stay defense away. is just bad though. Like they need to get another corner. Yeah. Obviously, if they do that yeah, in the draft, I think that would be a big, big plus. But even you know, as we've as we talked about, and I mean, maybe Patrick Sertain is is an exception to this rule because of his kind of perceived pro readiness. But it's hard to like throw an Akuda in you know from day one and just expect him to be a lockdown corner or any type of you know high high pick corner like that. I think it's it's you know it's. It's tough to adjust to the game because the, the college and the NFL game is so different. So the Cowboys have a ton of picks too. Yeah, they have, I think they this have is ten picks this year. I think this is really going to depend on like how they start the season off and like if 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 this season is like a copy of last season with just a healthy Dak, then this is an underlook for sure, and they probably end up with eight or nine wins, and maybe that's good enough to win the division, but. Um, you know, it would definitely spell the end for Mike McCarthy. Um, let's move on. San Francisco 49ers, 10 and a half, plus 123 to the over, minus 150 to the under. Juiced out. I'm going to have to see what happens at three. Juiced yeah. out. That's juiced out. They're, they're begging you to bet the over. Yep. Um, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to take the under if I do. I mean, I'm going to take the over gun to head right now. Uh, again, I completely agree with Klepp. You need to see what happens at three. But even if they take Mac Jones, I think he's probably an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I think whoever Shanahan takes is an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo because that's what, like, Shanahan wants to do. I mean, I think Shanahan's the star of the show. I think if their defense is healthy, like, they should return to that, that at least kind of the form that they had in their Super Bowl run. I mean, Nick Bosa is as, as elite as it gets as an edge rusher. Um, you know, and then it just kind of comes down to the Dick offense. Dick Sherman's gone. Yeah, Dick Sherman yeah, is that gone. Locker room presence, Salah's yeah. gone. But it's a team. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not touching that over with the ten foot pole. Yeah, I'm not gonna, hit, I'm not gonna hit the under because it's a, a buck fifty. No way, I'm touching that over. San Francisco is the most priced out team in the NFL, and everyone, you're, you're not, you're not unpopular by saying Kyle Shanahan's the best coach in the NFL. I think that's like the consensus logic in Vegas. 
Um, and they're begging you to take this over. It's the toughest division in football. They're going to be playing with a rookie quarterback. They lost their veteran presence leader in Richard Sherman on defense and their defensive coordinator. Not not a position where I'm looking to say, oh, yeah, buy me in on that 49ers stock. I, I just I just am not interested in that. This is honestly going through these teams right now. I'll I'll speed the spoiler alert. I I think the Rams are the best team in that division, and I think that the Cardinals are the second best team. Honestly, that's where I'm at right now. This is making me more confident in the Cardinals. Just going through and kind of seeing how Vegas is pricing out these other teams. I, um, and I yeah. just have to say, I think Seattle's probably at the bottom, and I think San Francisco is just such a wild card for me. I want to see how they perform. I've, Rookie quarterback, new D coordinator, like I said. So I think there's two. There's two things I want to. See. I think. It's interesting because I think the Niners have a better roster than the Cardinals, and I think Kyle Shanahan is infinitesimally more competent than Cliff Kingsbury. And also, um, and I mean, I was about to say that the Niners have had the Cardinals' number, but really they haven't. The Cardinals have kind of had the Niners' number. The Niners have had the Rams' number, actually, really. Um, but, you know, just it's an interesting thing to talk about. And also, if they do take Justin Fields at three, does that make you more confident in taking that over? Um or you know, like, does, how does that change your tune for both of you guys? I guess if Justin Fields, I don't know how much more. I, I obviously think Fields is better than Mac Jones, but when it comes to like the over unders, like, boy, how can I say that I'm like that much more confident? Like, oh yeah, they're going to be a different offense. Like, they're just going to be that much better. Well, I think I guess what I, I would say is because I'm I'm assuming that there will be like such a nice rushing aspect from Justin Fields being your quarterback that will give him just like a higher floor coming in. Um I don't know. I mean, I love the Niners. I uh, I definitely. I mean, I'm going to take the over. Um, it is hard though. It's really hard. They, they're going to have the worst quarterback in the division, no matter what, in my opinion. Like, I don't think a rookie's going to come in and out. Yeah, but as I've said before, like that was the case when they were the arguably the best team in the or they were the best team in the NFC with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and you they, love to recall upon that, but that was Kyler's rookie year, and Jimmy Garoppolo had a great year that year. Like but Kyler was, was better. Bad. Like they would have probably won the Super Bowl if Kyler was their quarterback over Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I don't know about that, but that's that's like that's a different. Really... That's a, that's a completely like out there conversation. You know, that's a lot of yeah. I guess, project, I guess my projection. my point is like so much of what the Niners have been able to do is their Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme with them being able to run the ball with ease with whomever it is, whether it's Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson or Tevin Coleman throughout the years. And then their defense being dominant. If they can get back to that formula, I think this is the best team in the division and probably the best team in the in the NFC uh, and maybe the best team in the NFL, especially if they have a guy like Justin Fields who's that much of a difference maker. So, um, Clep, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. or Yeah, not much to add. I, I kind of side more with, with yeah. Lee. I think there's just a lot of transition happening in San Francisco. With that said, um, if they take Justin Fields, um, I, I, I might end up putting them over – a team like Arizona. Yeah, well, let's move on to the Rams because they're literally it's the same line. Rams ten and a half plus one twenty three to the over, minus one fifty to the under. Um, I'm just so much more comfortable taking this over. Yeah, me so too. much more comfortable. You're you know I think the Rams you are know be what you're good. getting with the Rams. I think. I think, like but you, I think you guys. I mean, obviously it has to do with Stafford, but like. Shanahan is wax McVay, dude. Every single time they play, like McVay is yeah, that's two games. Well, it's in two the games year, in seventeen. Dude. Huh? It's two games in the year. I know. Vase wax everybody else. Not really. I mean, he has to a certain extent, but like, I'm just more confident. I just in, think like, Stafford, Goff to Stafford, not only in the locker room or on the field, but in the locker room is just like such a confidence yeah. upgrade. Such a uh, 
a performance upgrade. You still have those weapons of receivers and Cup, Woods, and then your boy Van Jefferson. Um, the offensive Cam Akers had a great Cam year Akers last had a great year. year. I think the offensive line could probably use a little bit of help. They'll probably address that in the draft. But like, you still have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Like, man, this team is prime. Prime team. I think this is the cream of the crop in the NFL, honestly. I, and maybe I am overestimating Stafford. I don't think I am. I think Stafford, for the first year in his career, is going to be on a team that before the season is a playoff contender. Um, and I think that's scary for the rest of the league. And I think McVay knows that and recognizes that. And they put all, similar to Arizona, they put all their chips in the middle, even more so than Arizona. And they're going all in. And also, man, I think this McVay, Shanahan, I think McVay is keeping track. There's no way, I'll put it in the prophecy now, there's no way they don't beat San Francisco at least once this year. There's no way they go 0-2 again. Yeah, that should be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, again, it's like they're begging you to bet the over, and I definitely, I mean, I could bet the over with both of these teams. Like, I again, I'm not trying to diss Sean McVay. I think he's still an elite coach. I just think Shanahan's a better coach, and I'm more confident in him. And I think San Francisco, when fully healthy, has a better defense than the Rams, for what it's worth. And I also think the loss of Brandon Staley, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that affects the Rams, because now he is kind of being revered as like a wonder, a wonder kid of defense. You know, like what he's been able to do there. Especially, I was famously on the under with the Rams last year at eight and a half. The thing um, with him, though, and Sala was there for like three years. Or like for, he like Salah established himself as the as the 49ers like defensive coordinator, whereas Stanley it was, it was Stanley's first year last year, I believe so. He's kind of like a one year wonder a little bit, where it's like I don't know how much the Rams are missing now, because I I do think that plays into when you lose an offensive or defensive coordinator. If they were only there for one year, it's hard to really say that you're losing as much as someone who was there for two three years and established their scheme, uh, to where it's like you know. I just think one-year guys are different. Uh, it's still definitely a loss. But like I said, man, I think there are way more knowns with the Los Angeles Rams than there are with the San Francisco 49ers. And even if you, even if I'll admit that, sure, let's say Shanahan's a better coach than McVay, I think it's marginable or marginal. And I don't think that that's enough of a reason to say that the 49ers are going to be better than the Rams well, because I just think the Rams have a better roster from top to bottom. Specifically, they have a known at the quarterback position that I think is going to be like much better than whatever San Francisco's trotting out. Well, maybe and and how confident are we that the Rams defense is at least stays the same that it was last year? I mean, I think you got to expect I it. I think to... John Johnson is a big loss, but you still have two superstars on the defense. Like you you have two of the top 5 defensive players in the league. So do the so do the Niners though too, if not more. Like Nick Bosa and Fred Warner are, are superstars in their own right as well, like arguably the best at their positions too. I mean, I I just think I think I think it's okay. I think the fine, Niners then have a that's a roster. wash. Then that's yeah. a wash, and Stafford's better than whoever the 49ers have. Maybe uh, not. I don't know. Like I I I would I I don't think it'd be shocking if a rookie Justin Fields had a better season than Matt Stafford next year. I I, I think oh, that would be utterly oh shocking. I think that would be utterly. That shocking. That would be so shocking. That would be if if I'm a Rams fan, that's a huge disappointment. That's like an that is ridiculously yeah. disappointing. Yeah, maybe maybe like, that's too hot of a take. Maybe that's too hard yeah. to take. I don't know, man. These kids are 21 years old, bro. Like, Stafford has been in the league for a decade. I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any reality where a rookie quarterback comes in yeah. and, and outperforms Stafford. All right, fair enough. Let's let's wrap this up. we got two teams left. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are at 10.5 as well. This is a little bit of the opposite situation. Minus 143 to the over, plus 118 to the under. 
I guess I'll start this off. I mean, this is tough. Like, I would probably bet the uh, the over, but there's no way I'm laying minus 143 to bet uh, a win total over. So, um, I'm not good at projecting the Packers. I'm staying away. Yeah, yeah, me, me. Yeah, me too. I'm staying away, man. <laughs> I hope it's an under. Yeah. yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, it seems that, that Matt LaFleur's got a nice little thing going for him, but... Um, you know, we'll uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's just let's just move on because I think we're all just yeah, I can't really predict the Packers. Um, and let's finish off with these defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The line is eleven and a half, minus one ten both ways. Um, I think them and the Chiefs is just like easy overs. Yeah, like I guess seventeen games. They're not going to get to twelve wins. I'm, like, I'm, maybe the Bucks a little bit less just yeah. because of how their season went last year. But I'm, I, I was getting ready to to rip this under, man. Just because I think there's just so much variance. Like, one, they have... It's freaking Brady. Dude, but what isn't... Like, we were just talking about knowns and unknowns. What is unknown about the Buccaneers? I think they're... I think Bruce Arians. I think, like, the coach... I mean, maybe... maybe Bruce like, Arians. Bruce Arians is arguably the best coach in the division. Like, him and Sean Payton are in the same class of coach, I think. I don't know. I think... Especially now that he's a Super Bowl champion. The, the, the resume is there. All he was missing was a ring. They've got it now. They kept both their coordinators. They kept everybody on their team. They know how good they are now. They've realized the Super Bowl dream. I just don't really see. I would agree with Clep and you that the Chiefs are more of a certainty at like over 11 and a half. But I would also agree with Clep that it's like there's no way I'm betting the under on the Buccaneers. Like they're just even if they start off the season like three and three, they're 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 gonna be. Yeah, the but if they start off the rises. season three and three, they can only lose. Well, that's a bad example because that's not gonna happen. <laughs> They're, I, don't, they're, I, I just don't, don't get think how you can say happen. that. Like, uh, this is, I guess, this is what I was saying earlier with like this assumption that they're just like going to continue this like meteoric rise from like winning the Super Bowl. Again, it's it's not how many games they win last year. Eleven, I think eleven. Yeah. So they have an extra game this year, and they underperformed for half the season last year. Yeah, yeah. and I guess I'm just not as confident that they're just like going to continue. Like they're going to be like this lock for like 13 or 14 wins because they brought everyone back. Plus with injuries. That's the other thing with win totals too. It's like just But I just think it's like they lost to the Chiefs last year. They lost to the Saints twice. They Bears. Like they were the Bears, like they lost a lot of games. Rams. Kind of that were just like I don't know, man. Like I just think that they were kind of finding their groove last year and once they did, they were really, really good. And I just don't see they they retained their whole. I'm so surprised that Leftwich and and uh, less so Bowles, I guess, because he's older. But like they retained their whole staff. Their their team isn't old. They're the first team that's ever bringing back all 22 starters. Yeah, I mean, from winning a Super Bowl, and they're only going to get better from the draft. Actually, screw so. it. I, I, I I would consider betting this over, honestly. Like 11 and a half. Like I think this is a team that. Is with the extra game too. Like I, I think this is a 12-13 win team. Yeah, I'm not. The division I, is not great either. Like the Saints lost Drew Brees. They're yeah, a huge question mark. The Drew Panthers Brees. and Falcons are are coming off terrible years. Yeah, I just think yeah. both Atlanta and Carolina should be better. And Drew Brees. Forget the like, Drew Brees. The Saints don't know who their quarterback is. Then it's I Jameis. think it's Jameis. So I think Jameis, it's Jameis is going to be. There's Jameis a lot of has variance. never played a season where he's where he's not turned the ball over too much. Yeah. Like, the other quarterbacks in the division are Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, and Jameis. Like, I just think that Tampa Bay is the cream of the crop in this division and in the conference. I think they're the best team in the NFC. I don't really see why. There's really not many reasons why they would slow down aside from injury. 
Yeah, and they, and I mean they weren't yeah. very, they were pretty healthy last year, right? For the most part. I mean, I guess Godwin yeah. was was banged up the whole year and Mike Evans, but unless, you know, unless Brady finally gets old. Yeah. So, I I don't necessarily really see that see happening. It. Maybe I'm just trying to be a contrarian and like push back against like oh, the Bucks brought back all these starters and it's pretty much they're going to continue to like improve where I also I just love the Gio Bernard signing too. Yeah, I, I that's a I thought it was great, a great signing. signing. Get, great they're, signing. Just getting, they're just getting better. I think that I mean to go back to your draft pro I think that firmly takes them out of the running back uh taking a running yep. back at at 32 but I agree. We can wrap this up boys. This was fun. Um yeah, I guess officially I'll just I'll take the under on the Bucks just just cuz just mm. cuz because we're, they're a couple injuries away. Yeesh. Just like San Francisco last year, man, like I was all gun ho on San Francisco being over 10 and it's a half. It's freaking Brady, dude. It's not it's 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 different than San Fran. Yeah, I just don't think I don't know. It's much know. different than San Francisco. It is. I just think they got they really got hot at the right time, and I don't know. As Carlton, but for Davis, me, it's like they didn't even get hot. They just like stopped making stupid mistakes, yeah, they, and they like yeah. they the things came together. For they them. played to the best of their ability. It wasn't like it wasn't like the Giants. They didn't get lucky. Went nine and seven, get, and like yeah, yeah. Like they thoroughly outplayed everybody in the playoffs. Yeah, they did. I just don't think they're Super Bowl hangover proof, I guess is what I will say. And that seems to be the narrative going around now that they're going to be even better. And it's like this is Brady's going to have a second dynasty or at least like I don't think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be the same as they were last year and they have an extra game. And I do think they're going to be better because last year for the first seven weeks of the season, they were not on the same page. I think they win that game in Chicago on Thursday night this year. Oh, totally. I think they beat the Saints once this year. I think, you know – I still think they take care of business and go three and one against Carolina and Atlanta. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is a team that's going to be tripping over themselves too often. Well, that year. Atlanta game, I believe you and I would bet that game, or at least that was one of my famous teasers. They're down like twenty to Atlanta, and like came back and ended up winning yeah. that game. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm not like I'm not very confident either way. But this was fun, boys. That that uh, concludes all the win totals. Two hours. That's a tight two. That's a tight two. Q stay scheming.